everyone. Welcome back to the Yona Pod. It is I, Evan, um, vice president probably of the Princess Yona fan club, joined as always by my lovely co-host, the president of the Yona fan club. Oh, I for some reason forgot the role of a vice president and I thought we would both be co-presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm Alex, although I think we would have to fight literally everyone in Yona for that title. Yeah, but this is our podcast, so for the sake of our podcast, (laughs) we're in charge, bitches. And Uh, we get to say that we are her biggest fan. Nobody can contradict us. (laughs) And there's somebody at home with, like, tons of merch and who's, like, populated... 25% 25% of the AO3 tag and they are like um excuse, <laughs> excuse <you>. me <laughs> speaking of we need more fix out there I'm gonna check AO3 again because it's been I don't know I think a couple months since I've checked it but I would really like some more <laughs> so Lisa <laughs> Lisa may I have some more I've run out of things to read I think the last thing that I read that I really enjoyed was that random one that I read for Lily and Taewoo, because I just kind of wanted to see what people saw in them. It's really enjoyable. Now, is that a common, like, ship, or was that... I don't think so. I mean, it's common for Lily. I feel like I see more for them than I do for, like, Lily and Suwon, but that might just be because (laughs) I go looking for Lily and Suwon and I find nothing. Uh. Um, So I'd say they're pretty equal. I just think it's so weird because they've spoken once in canon and I'm fascinated by the fact that people have latched onto that and are like, uh, yeah, that's my ship. I think I've mentioned it before on the pod, but do you not recall Phil Coulson and Clint Barton and the MCU fandom? And that also fascinates me. Yeah, one tiny scene in the first Thor movie and everybody was like, they are in love. <laughs> and doing disgusting things to each other <laughs> in the right 80,000 words of it yeah. yeah and god bless them god bless them chase your bliss. i mean we also read and wrote for steric who have like collectively i don't know like 10 scenes over the course of six seasons mm-hmm. steric i get though there was enough and then like it was also the thing where like Jeff Davis, the show's creator, knew about it and would like. Oh, there was full queer baiting. You're right. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) They like. I know that term is thrown around a lot, but uh, they were pretty bad bad about it. They would like use it to get people to vote in fan contests for MTV or something like that. And they just like after season three decided that it was eclipsing the real writing on the show and they stopped yeah. having Tyler together. Posey would get so mad about it too. Like <laughs> people asked him about it at cost. Tyler Posey who played Scott I just I don't understand the handling of it. You know what also? Okay, so like that's one way to do it is like I don't want you to focus on this ship, so we're gonna like keep them completely separate so that you focus on the main character of the show, which like didn't work. It fell apart after that. That is another conversation for another day. Um the other thing that always made me really mad. Okay, so I was a little I was on the cusp of being too old to watch iCarly, but I was in like high school when this happened, right? And uh I don't I don't know if you watched it very much not really but i I know some of the iconic stuff like foretell college and (laughs) 
<laughs> Four till college still makes me laugh like oh, 10 funny. years later. <laughs> A quality joke. It's so good. Um, and uh, yeah, there was like this weird dynamic between her two friends, uh, Freddie and Sam. And there was this whole like there were like ship wars online that I did not, I was not a part of this because I, I was think too that old. was replicated and I was too old for this too, but I like knew about it because my sister was in the right age group. But the same thing happened with girls meet girl meets world. You had the, yes, the Riley at Lucas. I, I think Lucas was the name of the dude. And then the Maya Lucas. Right. Um, and I want to say Maya Lucas was more popular. And then finally in show, he chose uh, Riley and everybody was like, um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So this is slightly different with iCarly because they got so mad that the like ship wars were taking over the like online discourse that they got the popular ship together only to like immediately break them up. and then like wrote an entire episode on the characters going to a convention and everybody only focusing on the shipping and having the characters be really annoyed Mm. (laughs) to basically (laughs) be like you all suck as fans and the way that you're watching this is the wrong way and you shouldn't focus on the ships I'm like oh my god this is wild (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one of the few times where I was like oh, like this adult man has a grudge against his teen girl fans. <laughs> I think that was a lot of the consensus with um, the 100 too, because the, the Bellarts. Oh, yeah. And I I didn't watch the 100 because I, 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 I could read the writing on the wall. Like after the first season, everyone was like, watch this. And I got like two episodes in and I wasn't quite feeling it. And then I was like, this is a CW show. It's going to mm-hmm. like, do some weird shit although now catch me watching walker independence like a full clown but it's still good right now uh uh but um yeah the uh, by the end they like completely assassinated like bellamy's character from the looks of it and then like killed him off (laughs) it was basically for nothing because they like i think i don't know the specifics of the story but he basically like joined this movement this like culty mm-hmm. movement, I think, and then uh, Clark and the rest of them were like, "What? This isn't you!" And then he died. And then at the end, I think they like all joined anyway. Um, but the Belarks got the last laugh because the actors are married in real life now. So that is true. I remember I followed one person on Tumblr who was really into that their relationship like in real life and then I guess also on the show and I don't know which one was like more intense for her (laughs) but I remember finding out everything that I know through that but I do also follow a lot of lesbians so I know more about Clark and Lexa oh yeah that was a big thing too and I think a lot of people were unhappy because you were never gonna make like either side happy Happy. i don't think and so in the end i guess they made no one happy which also happens yeah that seems to be the trend as of late i mean the supernatural fans and although there is also like i think people are very upset some people about chihaya furu because of the ending because like I mean, I will admit, like, the the anime makes Tai Chi look way better as a love interest, but I feel like the manga leans really hard into Arda, and then at the very end, she picks Tai Chi, and it is, I mean, it's, 
feel bad saying this because I'm a fan of them, but it's a little quick. It was a little mm. fast. I would have liked a little more wallowing and a little more like introspection, which isn't Chihaya's best trait. I get that, but also. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I can imagine reading through and being like, yeah, this is the end game. This is the ship that I'm backing. And then to have it just completely like, oh, just kidding. I've been in love with this other guy the whole time. Like, I can imagine being a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> but Tai Chi's better. So, you know, yeah, whatever. There you go. You gotta... Speaking of like anime and like anime news, have you heard of, I don't remember the name of the studio, but my sister, who, as you know, is obsessed with all things anime and just like animation in general, mm-hmm. um, was telling me about the outrage against at least one studio using AI for part of their animation. Have you heard of this? No. Yeah. I came across a really weird video from Netflix Japan that used AI to create something like that. And they were like, how about you don't lay off all of your staff? Yes, that's exactly it. Because they were like, yeah, they were like, um, yeah, we did it because there's a labor shortage and everyone was like, there's <laughs> yeah. not a labor shortage. You just don't want to fucking pay your animators livable wages. <laughs> like, See, okay. So I got suckered into this because I saw it retweeted onto my, my feed and I, it was like a vague caption and the original caption was in Japanese. So obviously I didn't know what it said. And I like clicked through the video and it was really, really sad. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. Cause it's like a, a, a boy and his dog in a post-apocalyptic like thing. And then I'm just going to ruin it for you guys because uh, it's AI. And so you shouldn't give them the views. I feel bad for watching it, but um, in the end, like they get separated and then they get reunited. But the man is like an old man at this point, And they're like, both so happy to see each other and the like the dog whining sounds and the man's just like this old man is crying yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like I'm not strong enough for this and then I was like well why are so many people upset and then I clicked google translate and that was what it was and then I got to the English speaking <laughs> comments and I figured out what was going on I was like oh no this is bad yeah Anyway, sorry to sorry to steal your No, story, no, that's yeah. why I brought it up. I was like, surely you've heard of this. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> God, just just pay your artists. Just pay your artists. Yeah. I don't know why this has to be said so many times. Did like Crunchyroll ever stop their like mean shit against their translators and No, they've never they've never talked about it or addressed it, as far as I know. And so I still don't have a subscription and I pirate everything. Yeah, I know. Every time I see something that I kind of want to watch that's not readily available on like Netflix or Hulu, oh my God, I hope they get their shit together because I don't have a VPN like you. <laughs> like, how do I? I use a VPN. Oh, okay. Cool. You really only. Okay. So, like, I don't do this, but I've heard friends who do this. <laughs> um, that I you really only I mean technically I guess you should have a VPN at all times because you're always vulnerable but you know what the fuck ever um you really only need a VPN if you are torrenting things and downloading them but if you're just streaming them on um sites that definitely aren't real called (laughs) zorro.to uh you should be fine I've never 
been caught, <laughs> knock on wood, but I've definitely gotten a couple emails when I torrented things without a VPN. I, I have like, too. My uh, when I lived at home, my dad would even like he'd be like, "We just got an email. Stop doing what you're doing." Because I was like, "Yeah, exactly." To make gifts. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it used to be much easier too, because I didn't even always need to torrent like. You had people, particularly for the Teen Wolf fandom, where there would be just like whole Tumblr blogs and they would be like, here's all the episodes. And it was wonderful. Oh, yes. On Mega Upload. Yes. Those were the days. Those were the days. God bless them. God bless. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's a random shit corner for me. Do you have anything before we <laughs> jump back into the palace arc? Yeah, let's get back into it. Okay, so where we left off, dear listeners, of course, was uh, the beginning of Yona reading um, her Aunt Yoni's journal. Um, So we're back in the past now, and uh, Yoni has met uh, Yuhan, so these are Sawan's parents, and he has taken her back to his hometown the like capital of coca and just learned her name mm-hmm. but with that we will jump into chapter 191 yoni's journal so yuhan has a quick chat with moondock and eel we see from the get-go that the brothers are already opposed in ideals but yuhan is clearly protective of him and wants to improve wants him to improve his image rather than fuss with religion Young Eel is every bit the cautious man we saw in his role as king, and he expresses concern for Yoni's injuries because, if you, as you recall, she um, was attacked by uh, Yuhan's falcon. So when Yoni is in front of Yuhan and prospective uh, concubines later who titter and insult her and Eel, Yoni sticks up for Eel. You know, she talks about how like, he made her comfortable and she appreciated that he was concerned for her. And this catches Yuhan's notice, as well as the fact that she's not easily impressed by material wealth. He banishes the other women and tells her he's looking for a wife he can trust. And the bold, fe- the bold fuck basically tells her she's wifey material. Um, she is. Which she well, totally is. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. She's beautiful. She barely has a personality other than she's nice to his brother. It's fine. It's fine. But also, she's just very meek. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, I can see what he's getting because his whole thing is he wants somebody who's trustworthy. Um, and he, she seems like that too because she's not, not, not only just not being nice to his brother but like the other like the concubines are like gassing him up and all kinds of shit and she doesn't care to do that and she's also not like impressed by all his like she's not mercenary in any way which i'm sure would be hard to come by as a prince looking for a wife so there's that um i guess that's fair yeah and i'm sure she's interesting too just as like a country girl um and what <laughs> just a city boy yeah <laughs> yeah and then just like i'm sure it was even interesting that she didn't immediately cave to him when they met and like tell her where she lived and everything and so there's like not i mean she has good reason but to him who's probably used to getting whatever the fuck he wants i'm sure it's 
sure. intriguing. All right, fair enough. Yes. I'm very protective of my girl. Well, I know. <laughs> this is like your ship. I'm totally happy to give this to you. <laughs> I love that for, for me. And thank you. Um, so, uh, you know, he basically tells her that she's wife material. And meanwhile, the, his love of his brother and the way he tries to bond with Eel, despite their differences, endears him to Yoni. So when he takes her back to the place they met, since she still won't lead him to her home, she agrees to his deal that they continue to meet at that spot once a week. But her mom finds out she's seeing an outsider and forbids her from continuing their relationship. Which is the same day that he jokes, quote unquote, about wanting to marry her. So she stops going to their rendezvous spot. Uh, but surprise, months later, she finds out he's waited for her each time and he's overcome with emotion. He even dismisses her claim that she's untrustworthy because even if she's an enemy spy, he just wants to be with her at this point. So some thoughts. Uh, first of all, young Moondock can get it. <laughs> I thought he was cute. Okay, uh, not your worst pick in history. <laughs> uh, he's blonde, correct? He's got light hair? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't do it for Isn't me. Isn't Kelbo blonde? Okay, but Kelbo's an exception. <laughs> His aura is different. He's like the bad boy. Yeah. Moondog, I think... It's because I know that Moondock becomes Moondock. Yeah. But I can't, I can't, I can't lust after this old man with you. Okay. I'm so sorry. That's fair. <laughs> you're, you're going where I can't follow. <laughs> uh, also, and but we'll, we'll get more into this in the subsequent chapters, but um, I do like this recurring thread that really starts here about Yuhan's disdain for religion, because as we see in this chapter, um, he didn't like it even before it made a mess of his wife's life. Um, and it's interesting mm -hmm. that he tells Pete Eel that you don't need priests to pray. You can just pray. Um, because I think that was one of the like historical conflicts, like when the Protestant church and the Catholic church split was this idea that uh, you needed a priest for like reconciliation. And then Protestants were mm -hmm. like, no, you can just like ask God to forgive you. You don't need like an intermediary. And then there's also the issue of um, overall church leadership, which Yuhan gets more into in the um, subsequent chapters. Um, and I also think it's interesting that he's reviewing, that he's viewing religion specifically as a barrier to his brother being respected. And I think even like you, you might make an argument that it's like a thing about masculinity as well, because he's like, you, you bow your head and people look down and down on you. Right, because he's royalty, he's supposed to be above everyone. So if he's beneath anyone, then he's not like the height. Like he's not what people are looking up to. Yeah, and like one of the things you hunt is like, hey, I invent, I invited you hunting with me. It's like he very much just wants his brother to like come out and do like the cool manly shit. Um, coming yeah. from a good place because he's like, people don't respect you, but like, right, but also wanting him to be exactly like him and not meeting eel where he is yes yeah which i understand like it's hard you see somebody doing something that you love or like you see someone you love doing something that you don't agree with or don't understand and you're like well if you just change just a little bit it's hard to let that go i get that 
And Johan doesn't strike me as the type of person to understand that about himself and be like, okay, I need to step back and let him do something. Doesn't mean he's a bad person. I mentioned this at the end of the this section, but I love that maybe more than any other section in the story, every single person is both very like they do good things and they're all very wrong at yes. least <laughs> at one point or another and mo- multiple points usually. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's the probably the most like morally gray section. I mean, maybe not morally gray, but um, yeah character driven gray i don't i don't know how to say oh, yeah. that but you go to I, I, I get what you're saying but yeah that's, that's one of the things that draws me to it as well like nope no one is completely responsible yeah it's kind of a group effort of poor decisions that just went just like spiraled completely out of control yeah but we're getting ahead of ourselves uh i do enjoy the idea that <laughs> yuhan is a protestant to eels catholic <laughs> It's very funny to me. Yeah, I've got another point uh, on that thread, I think, in either the next chapter or the chapter after. So stay tuned. <laughs> so uh, onward to chapter 192, the palace that echoes with the voice of God. So Yoni is now engaged to Yuhan. She's introduced him to her mother and he didn't bat a lash at her at the secret of her tribe or that she might die young and even promised to uphold the secret to protect both Yoni and her people. And things are idyllic at first. Then Yoni meets baby priest Iksu. Our millennial king is back. Millennial king is back and he's so small. Oh, uh, so she meets him and also Yona's mother, Kashi. Um, we don't get her name just yet, I don't think. Uh, who was then a priestess in training. Eel shows up and Yoni is once more happy about their growing friendship. But then he takes Yoni to the temple, which Yuhan absolutely hates. It's where uh, Yuhan doesn't want their marriage ceremony to be. And it's where they're pressured to have their marriage um, at the temple, Eel makes a speech about the importance of worshiping the Crimson Dragon King. You know, it's supposed to bring good fortune, and he doesn't know of the bad fortune that it's brought Yoni and her family. Then the head priest shows up, and both he and Kashi sense Yoni's divine heritage. Uh, Eel and the priest basically like get into this religious fervor about it, and then Yuhan arrives uh, very displeased, and he tries to peace out with Yoni. But Eel has already figured out that Yuhan knew the secret and is angry about it. He gets punched when he accuses Yuhan of being greedy about um, the Crimson Dragon King's blood, which I think is like a really insane thing to assume. (laughs) (laughs) It is a wild move. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things he says is like, did you think I would want her to if I knew? Which is like super out of pocket. So like, I understand why he got punched. Um, yeah that's fair (laughs) uh yoni's diary reveals that this was when it all went to hell because it was the start of the priest's persecution yes i think uh the quote right there or very soon after is the priests had learned of my heritage that was the spark that ignited their horrible persecution yeah good stuff and now we know yuhan drove the priests out because they threatened his wife Yes. Uh, and it's such a shame because, again, we, we saw what a dreamboat he was at the beginning of this chapter. Like, you know, he, <laughs> he 
when you know he was begging her to stay with him he says i want you more than anything come home with me and then he's like attending to her every whim at the start of the chapter he's like do you need anything i can get you anything he just really wants to know how to make her happy Um, yeah yeah and then he never really does is the thing which is really fucking tragic god yeah uh it might have been it might have been the last chapter but uh (laughs) i do have in my notes the quote are you an enemy spy if you are i don't care and then my notes say feminism is leaving my body as we speak yes like that was like his get-go thing was like i want a woman i can trust and in the moment she's like actually you can't trust me he's like i don't give a shit you can literally yeah, right he's like i don't care actively <laughs> plotting against me right now but you're the one <laughs> right i just want you yeah so like you're right you like early early on he is <laughs> such a dreamboat he's like the ideal romance hero that we that we joke about but like he really is and it's really fun to see kuznagi take that like archetype and show you the worst possible outcome yeah (laughs) and probably what would happen because you know can't really change people who don't want to be changed there's a fantasy of like i could i could change him yes oh my god that was in one of my notes later but yeah this is just very much Okay, we'll save it. But for now, yes, he's very much set up as like he is the rogue that that will that love will save him. And uh, we're starting to see, (laughs) like, with uh, with his wife being threatened by the priests, um, just how intense that love is. Yeah, how (laughs) how not great it is. Yeah, Um, and happier times. uh, I will say. Ixu's cameo. I love that my boy was a klutz disaster from the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I think, I was a very, very clumsy kid. I think kids are just clumsy in general. Sometimes you grow out of it. Yeah. Very few people, very few people are graceful straight out the gate, yeah. or, like, become graceful, I guess. You, you sort of learn your uh, your surroundings. I don't know how true this is, but I did hear that, like, people with ADHD have worse, like, clumsiness because of, like, spatial awareness just isn't there. Really? I don't know how true that is. Okay, another tick in the I have ADHD column because my spatial awareness fucking sucks. Like, it's bad. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've never, I've, I've heard it from literally one person, and it is someone with ADHD on Tumblr that okay, I follow. Yeah, but... Um, but it is half Fisbin who wrote some of the greatest Steric works. <laughs> so that's a, that's a column, and we can that's a check and uh, we can trust her column. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that's the most insane thing I've ever um. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, kids super clumsy because they're still like growing into their limbs and like, uh. Yeah, they don't know how to move their bodies. <laughs> yeah, he just never grows out of it, poor thing. And he just never grows out yeah. of it. God bless. Yeah. I have like four bruises on my body at the moment because I just keep bumping into the island in my kitchen. So I'm with you, Iksu. Yeah. <laughs> Millennial disasters together. Millennial disaster. Ah, love him. Uh, you also get in the chapter more on Yuhan's disdain for religion. And this is what I mentioned 
uh, a couple minutes ago and I said I had another point that made me think of the split of the church in England. Um, Johan very much believes in the monarch's absolute power. Um, he doesn't think that the priest should have like, you know, the end say. Um, mm. With good point, he, he believes that the priests are just uh, like meddlers into politics, which to be fair, I mean, like if he had met Gobi, <laughs> all of his, all of his, um, that's true. Shit would have been justified. Um, <laughs> but I did again. It is interesting that we, we get to see the pre a priest that is like a legitimate priest. Yeah. We get Iksu who's a good kid, Kashi, good lady. Uh, and then this random dude who definitely dies a horrible death. Um, and he immediately knows that Yoni is, um, is descended of of uh hear you yeah so like he has to be legit because he can see that in her yeah and they talk about that themselves i think or at least yoni ponders it like oh my god this was the real thing (laughs) right Um, right so i think it's interesting that they went that route and and still made him be like no they're all terrible and, and pointless and just meddlers um which I guess makes sense because she's only been talking him up for the last like five chapters straight or whatever. So we have to see this this turn. And yeah. This is like this is one of the more unreasonable unreasonable moments of like he's just straight up villainous. Yeah. Um. Although even she herself even says later, reflecting, she's like, you know, I came in with like preconceived notions and preconceived biases, and like I wanted this priest to be this like horrible person. Mm-hmm. he wasn't but she can recognize that he wasn't yeah and Yuhan never does Yuhan never does true um but going back to historic context uh, that was another thing during like the henry the eighth era uh was his her, well specifically i just watched a documentary on anne boleyn specifically um and that was one of the things that she like put in henry the eighth's ear was that she had been reading these banned texts essentially that were like okay the church is not the head of the state you as the monarch are and that was like a big like thing controversial thing um so i do see echoes of it here because uh eel and his father we don't get a lot of junam but like we know from what little we do get that junam is also very religious that they are very much like what the priests say is the end all be all and yuhan is like no they're not politicians and we know our shit and it should be us <laughs> they should be looking to yeah and i mean he has a point yeah he has a if point. you have just a ton of people dividing the attention who's going to be able to unite everyone mm-hmm so yeah, it's weird. It's it's like you said the complexity because like he's got good points. It's just he's also a really bad person. Uh, <laughs> he's also willing to burn people at the stake alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, any any other notes? Isn't that like the next scene? Sorry. No, it it is in the next chapter. Although this is where I wasn't sure where it was because I was reading on one manga site uh, and this extra chapter someday on the sea was like placed elsewhere. But then on the other manga site, manga site, it was here. So I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Is this the the cafe one? No, this is the little hawk meets Jiha. 
much fun. Ooh. I don't remember where that came either, but okay. yeah, we can throw it in. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I currently have it. So we'll move into the extra chapter someday on the sea before we get to burning at the stake. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, the emotional whiplash we're about to experience. <laughs> Dude, so true. If you were just like blowing through these chapters, this one in the middle of all this heavy shit is like, oh, oh my God, Kusnaki, where did this come from? Yeah. I'm so happy it came because this is such a fun yeah, chapter. Yeah, it's just a little oasis of happiness. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, back in the past, 13-year-old Hawk is with Taewoo and Hang day they're looking for moondock in the market who they've been separated from they wander into a weapon shop and hawk is first drawn to the glaive but can't afford it the other boys are put out when the shopkeeper calls them naive and says that they are from the weakest tribe but you know hawk understands um he also i like that hawk is like we are yeah (laughs) guys why are you crying yeah Um, so he pep talks his brothers and thinks privately that he can't fall behind by banking on this piece um, that they're currently in. Uh, he thinks that he'll never be as strong as him. And of course, him is Suwon um, mm-hmm. and notes that he'll want to see Yona so badly. I'd die for it. Um, this fucking 13 year old, like calm down. please. <laughs> He's writing angsty poetry in his notebook. Yes. (laughs) He's interrupted and thinking of his growing feelings when a thief steals the glaive from the shop. Uh, He and Jiha, who he doesn't know, but who's just passing through. uh, And then, of course, he vanishes right after. uh, Take the thief down together. Moonduck finally arrives and Hawk swears to himself that he'll go strong and earn the money for a glaive of his own. Uh, he thinks of Jiha, his unknown ally, and thinks of wanting to travel the world someday. Meanwhile, young Jiha is back with his pirate crew, and he was impressed by Hawk's strength and wants to meet people stronger than him. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's it's cute shit. Although I do find it interesting that you find out here that King Eel basically implemented gun control. Uh, they they go into the the shop and I've forgotten it's not even just that he can't afford the glaive it's that like kids under 16 can't can't buy buy weapons weapons. yeah 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 um which is fair totally fair um and i mean it's it's like binding banning child labor where it's like well you can't you can't send child soldiers off to war sorry about it so like how dare you uh i do also like that the the shop owner says nobody follows that rule anyway because it's like yeah of course nobody takes king eel seriously mm-hmm. i think that's a that's a fun little world building note yes also this has nothing to do with anything but my absolute favorite joke from this chapter that still makes me laugh is uh <laughs> The boys are standing around very calmly discussing that they've lost Doondock. And I think I think Hangday says that they've lost him. Or he's Moondock is lost somewhere. And and Taewoo goes, he's probably crying by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and it just tickles me so much that they're like, oh, he's a little kid who's lost, but it's like the opposite. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's very funny. I'm explaining, I'm over-explaining it. It's not funny anymore. But I was so tickled by that. Yeah. I also love, first of all, Team Jiha, my beloved. 
Well, a little cutie. Um, but I also just love the concept of like destiny and connection that's here, which we see a lot in these older chapters whenever we flash back to the dragons before everyone's met. This idea that, you know, almost like they were always meant to like come together and be friends someday. And this is just like a little taste of that. That True. We're always going to work. They were well. always meant to come together. Yes, that is cute. And work well together and save people. And yeah, it's cute shit. This is also kind of like a super common thing in like K dramas and um, like Asian drama shows of like two characters, <laughs> the usually love interests will meet before they recognize each other. So like they'll have they'll have run into each other like 10 years before they actually meet and fall in love. So I think it's very funny that Hawk and Jiha are the ones who have this clandestine meeting. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that is the case. Um, I talked about it several episodes ago. Uh, well, maybe on the pod. I know it to you at least. But when I was mm-hmm. uh, reading Waiting for Spring, which is that like high school basketball mm-hmm. anime, or excuse me, manga, um, that was a thing with, oddly enough, the second love interest. So like the the guy who's not the, the final dude. But the the thing is that she knew him they knew each other as children uh but she always assumed that he was a girl because he had really long hair and he just like never corrected her so you know but then he moved away and then he like comes back and is like surprise it's me i've always loved you and also i'm a dude and then of course it causes turmoil with her actual love interest yeah so yeah that's interesting. Yeah. That one was very cute. The like the only like thing I didn't like it like about it was the I forget the the term. Was it I wanna say it's Fugoshi? But like there's a side Wait, character. Fujoshi? Fujoshi. Yeah, I think that might be it. But the the there's like, We're like the girl who ships two boys. Yeah, yeah. So like one of the main characters' friends is like super into shipping all of the basketball boys together. And yeah, like, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. The only time that I've ever that has ever like sort of made me laugh is um, Wotakoi. I'm butchering that pronunciation, <laughs> but um, it's about two couples, and one of them is a, a like BL manga artist who does like she sells her own stuff at like conventions and things, and she's moderately successful. So she wants <laughs> she wants her boyfriend and her friend's boyfriend to model a uh, pose for her, um, but it like isn't revealed until later that that's what they're doing. So he like pushes him up against a wall, and it's all very like sexy. <laughs> and then it's like oh, it's just like a model shoot, and they are both like down for it and not in a like oh but like no homo i'm doing this for my girl way it's just sort of in a we're both kind of socially awkward dudes who are co-workers who happen to be dating friends yeah. and like <laughs> they're gonna do it for their ladies but also like this isn't how they would choose to spend an afternoon <laughs> it's the only time i've enjoyed it but uh yeah that's unfortunate yeah Although, I mean, she does have other aspects to her uh, as a character. Like, she gets, like... Oh, good. I thought that would be her only trait. No, like, that's the thing. Like, at one point, she's embarrassed because, like, it's revealed... Like, her fan fiction's discovered and stuff. But they also start making fun of the main character, who, of course, everyone's jealous of because she's actually, like, dating the dude. 
um, the main dude sure. that they're all in love with and just like the way she like sticks up for her and it's like look you can make fun of me you leave her the fuck out of this and she like tries to throw hands um, yeah okay yeah and even though her whole thing is she doesn't like seeing anybody date the dudes because of course that ruins her fantasy she like does get over it for her friend's sake at the end like at one point um, they're playing like the guys are playing basketball and he like waves to uh, Mitsuki in the stands and one of the girls is like oh my god he just waved at me and she's like trying the friend is trying to throw, she's like no he waved at you why aren't you saying anything <laughs> like that's just pretty cute like yeah like she is also like a really good friend and stuff it's just like that's like the part that's like mostly played for jokes and they're kind of lame the whole like Ujoshi thing but other than that it's a very cute manga yeah uh, and I recommend it but maybe we just don't really connect with the Fujoshi jokes because we're not super into that. Yeah. Like, like you and I both really like shipping, but I don't I wouldn't consider us like, oh, we go like wild for male male pairings. Well, it's even just, so, like, I think it's just the weirdness because like they're like weird they're real people. It's mm, like that also whole that. thing about like yeah. real person. Which I don't have a huge problem with. Yeah. Like as long as you don't assault the people, like whatever, write and read RPF, who cares? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess if you're telling them to their face, it gets weird. Yeah, this yeah, and this is just weird because it's like that's the thing. It's not even like celebrities, it's literally like people in her yeah, that's that she hangs too. out with <laughs> two like, random people that <laughs> she knows from school. Like, yeah, you're right, that's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, even though they are basically like the celebrities of their school, I wonder—is this just a manga thing, or do like do fan clubs really form about over the <laughs> boys in school in Japan? I don't know. It's such a pervasive trope. I want to say no. Yeah, but I would possibly because I I want to say that they brought this up on the Fruits Basket podcast that I was a big fan of, um, that I've talked about a lot uh, because Yuki has one and he's called like the Prince of the School mm-hmm. and he has like three girls who follow him around like <laughs> try to get him between him and Toru and it's like weirdly comedic until it's not and then like at one point she like genuinely confesses and pours her heart out and like occasionally <laughs> they like try to make it this dramatic thing and I just remember the podcast hosts are like I hated this when I was 13 and I fucking hate it now <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst part of Fruits Basket that's not true they have other parts that they didn't enjoy either yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it is it's pretty pervasive and I want to I, I mean I want to say that they said it happens, but not quite to the degree that it's portrayed, possibly. Mm. I might be making all of this up. I don't know. Anybody <laughs> with no with, you know, who's in the know about like social dynamics yeah. in Japanese high schools. Hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us if this is real or if I'm making things up. But uh in the meantime, we get back into the horrible shit. And go straight into chapter 193, The Cost of Special Treatment. So, to Yoni's horror, Yuhan reveals that he's executed all of the priests after they forced, quote-unquote, their way to where he'd been housing her tribe. Yoni goes to find out if Kashi and Ixi were spared and is told that her husband is known for torture and will even burn women and children at the stake. 
So yeah, you will. Yeah. Um, is this is this where he says, um, "I killed everyone who might know about you. You can be at ease." I think so. Yeah. And yeah, just which struck me as like what one of the most horrifying yeah. lines. Yes. Ugh. That all these bad yeah. things are carried out in her name. Like the fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah. And then her like her her horror whenever she realizes like what is happening and then what has happened. <laughs> like she has these moments a couple times where she's just like, oh my god, this is not what I wanted, yeah. but I should have seen the signs. Yeah. So Yoni visits the tribe there, excuse me, her tribe and learns that the priest visit gave them hope actually because of his compassion toward what they'd endured. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Yoni's mother killed herself out of guilt over the head priest's death. So mm-hmm. Yoni is understandably devastated, especially knowing now that the high priest was a true believer and a good man. Uh, her people can't understand what would justify the genocide, even if he like hadn't been. Honestly, they were like, still, it wouldn't have warranted. Right, it. he's a human being. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yuhan arrives to his wife crying, and she's unable to tell him that he's inspired her mom's suicide. Uh, she inwardly regrets meeting him and being born, and tries to fathom the duality of her husband. He hugs and consoles her tenderly, but he's a terrifying murderer. Um, Mm -hmm. 10 years later Yoni is mother to the tiny and already precocious Suwon she and her husband discuss Eel suddenly marrying a commoner commoner, excuse me with a scarred face and it being hush hush Uh, Yoni and Suwon happen upon the very wife and surprise it's Kashi who's got burn scars on part of her face Uh, Eel, who's been distant since the purge, appears and angrily hurries his wife away, insisting that that girl, i.e. Kashi, is dead and refusing to hear Yoni take the blame. Uh, Yoni notes that she was naive to think that the brothers would ever find a middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Um... Yeah, uh, one of my other notes, because I, I pulled out a couple of, like, Yuhan's quotes, and, well, I guess Yuhan and Yoni's quotes, because um, I think Yoni says this, but she says, you terrify me, you mean so much to me. Yeah, It's like, toxic, but I am living for it. Yeah. Like, um, the, it's great. The original fan translation I read uh, of this line was, you're terrible, you're sweet, which mm. uh, which I also love, and is also fun fact. The name of my Yoni Yuhan playlist on uh, Spotify, which I will be linking when this episode comes. Yes, out I need to, to hurry up and Twitter. finish it. I still need to. Uh, you had added some songs to it at my request, and I haven't sorted mm. all of them. So, like some of, I, I tried to kind of link it chronologically as far as like their right. art, but there are still a few at the bottom. But yes. I have a whole podcast for them and this whole thing of a playlist. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, yes, you said podcast, but oh, sorry, yes. playlist. My bad. <laughs> I we do also have a podcast about them. Uh, the other thing that I really like about this is that she spirals super hard, and she tries to find like the point where everything went wrong. This isn't the first time this happens in the arc, but this is one of the major, like, textual parts where she's just like, well, if this hadn't happened, if I hadn't met him, then he wouldn't have killed everybody and then my mom wouldn't have killed herself. But then 
if I hadn't met him, then like, or if, if my parents wouldn't have had me, then they would have been happier. And so she's just like, she brings it back to basically like, it would be better if I had never been born, which is kind of the, the point of like, you can never really find, well, rarely you can find uh, soul blame for something. Like yeah. everything sort of spider webs out and like cause and effect happens, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's rare that you can trace it back to like, oh, if I just do this one thing or if I cut this one person off, then everything will be okay. <laughs> like that's just not going to happen. So I like that this happens a few times in this arc because it contrasts really well with what Yona is doing in the present, which is to stop all of that basically to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to look back. I'm just going to like completely <laughs> stop all of that. Like not wipe the slate, the slate clean, but refuse to look back and try and pinpoint blame on someone. Yeah. I'm just going to move forward and be like, okay, everybody was right. Everybody was wrong. Let's just try and be better in the future. Yes. And, and poor Yoni. She's, she's not there. She's, uh. It's not doing well. <laughs> um, and it, it's like you pointed out uh, earlier that one of the reasons this section and this couple is so fascinating is because Yuhan is so complex. He's not black and white. He's this powerful monster who's capable of love and doing soft things. But mm -hmm. even so, the love of Yoni and his brother Eel, as we find out later, can't save him. And they have to grapple with that. And it becomes this big tragedy because, you know, it, it's like you said, it's the I can fix him trope. And no, you can't. Right. And now she's reached that point where she's like, actually, or she's gone in the complete other direction, which is also wrong, where she's like, you know, she she's no longer thinking I can fix him. But now she's like, if I was just taken out of the equation, I, I guess you could say mm -hmm. she's still in that I can fix him frame of mind, because now she's like, if I had just been taken out of the equation he would be yeah i guess that's true but. she's yeah she's like trying to she's taking all the blame on herself and yeah. she's like oh it's my fault that he's this way but it's his fault it is and that was a thing like even when she went to go see after kashi and iksu like, like the servant told her it's like he's known for torturing his enemies right exactly like, he was this way before her and he he's kind of just using her as an excuse like i mean like i think i think that he does love her in his own way but i don't think he really has a problem with the atrocities that he commits yeah that's the thing he's so unaware um not even just mm -hmm. of how he's hurting yoni but so unaware of like the resentment that's now like building up in his brother as well, because like at this point he's like, True. you know, I can kill these people and my wife can be happy and safe. And right. these people were also people that, you know, my brother revered, but it's fine because now, you know, he's got a wife and like things are fun because like, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, he's talking about how uh, he's supporting his brother's choice and wife because there's been like you know some uproar that he chose a commoner and he's like you know well eel supported me i'm going to support him um you know he still very much has that really strong brotherly love as well um and he can't imagine that he's actually hurting his own wife that he actually hurt eel like he's just right completely. right because i i think you said it really well but it's all very like selfish he's yeah. doing these things 
outwardly for these people, but it's not for them. It's for himself completely, which we also sort of like brought up with Hawk, which I think is an interesting uh, <laughs> connection to make because Yuhan and Hawk kind of like remind me of each other a lot. Yes, and Yoni and Yona have a lot of. Okay. Well, not a lot, I guess you would say. I just, I, I really connect um, their their thing to wanting to break the cycle because Yoni very much wants to do that. Okay, fair enough. I I never, <laughs> I've never thought of that before. So I could agree with that. I could also sort of see their like soft hearts. They They both just love completely and don't want terrible things to happen and uh when they do yoni sort of lets it break her down and i don't think that's her fault um one she's nobody should ever have to deal with what she deals with um but two she is sick and dying so it's not sick and dying and she doesn't have the support system that yona gets yes that's a point that i make way in the end but i one of the saddest parts of her story is that she has literally nobody to talk to about any of this she just sort of spirals on her own it's really fucking sad and hard to watch um but yeah so yona does have that support system and she is capable of like fighting back she decides no i'm not gonna take this i'm gonna i'm gonna do something about it but um there's really not much that yoni can do and she just lets that get her down yeah um but and it's shame it's a point about hawk and yuhan I don't remember what it uh, was. Being the same, being doing stuff for themselves and thinking they're doing it for others. Oh, yeah, doing stuff for themselves when they're ostensibly doing it for somebody else. Um, yeah, it reminds me of uh, uh, Back in the Water Tribe, the first confrontation with Hawk and Suwan where he tries to kill <laughs> Suwan and Yona's like, no, don't do this. And we were talking about how it's like, oh, she's saying it's not for me. And then we talked about it again with Jen, but like every time Yona has to be like, no, <laughs> you're not getting revenge for me. And he has to grapple with the fact that he's getting revenge for himself and what that means. And if he wants to be that person and uh, Yuhan never has to grapple with that. But I also think that if he did, he just wouldn't care. He'd be like, okay, so I'm doing it for me. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he probably thinks that he's doing it for these people and he is being a good brother and a good husband, but he's not really thinking about either of them at all. Yeah. Because, sorry to get ahead, but this is like the perfect time to mention it. But yeah, he all Yoni wants is to be surrounded by family and to have... Uh, Yuhan around and he isn't and then he dies on the battlefield and he leaves her all alone so like he's not listening to her and her wants and he says that he wants to make her happy like do what he do what would make her happy but he almost never does like yeah and yeah so I think that's really interesting and then one of the other things is is that he's still regarded as a hero by Coca at large because like they mentioned in this chapter that, you know, most of the population actually approved of the priest extermination, that they were of the same opinion that these were political meddlers. And it really got me right. thinking of like, it's not unlike us learning, you know, the dark side of our favorite political leaders and historical figures and important movements, because, you know, especially in America, we're really raised on, um, 
you know, you're just spoon fed patriotism. And it's Mm -hmm. like, these people did, you know, won the war for us and it was so great and they built this great nation. And then like you get older and you can delve into things in a more complex way. And it's like, okay, that guy also committed like hella war crimes. (laughs) (laughs) I get what, do what he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Revolutionary War, they're like, oh, these two sides fought, and then Britain went home because it got too expensive, and later you're like, oh, actually, the Americans were insane. <laughs> like, they did not they did not uh, uh, abide by a gentleman's agreement in war, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair. I mean, if you're going to invade somebody, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> They are allowed to fight back however they want. Um, Looking at you, Vietnam. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I just want to clarify, because I don't know if that was very clear, but I do not think we should have invaded Vietnam, and that was pretty awful. So, Uh, yeah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good point, Evangelina. Thank you. Yeah, he he had he had the approval rating. <laughs> he had the approval rating, and as right, you can see that really works against eel. Um, really works against eel, yeah, because people are huge fans of the violence, and then he took that all away, and they're like, "Well, what are we supposed to do now?" Yeah, there is a really interesting like history of human humanity and violence. I always think of like the people who would take picnics to watch battles in the Civil War. <laughs> so I just I I feel like that's sort of Coco right now, where they're just like, "Come on, we just want a war. Yeah. I want to see people get killed by muskets." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of shit. <laughs> it's a lot of shit. Uh. Yeah. So now we move into chapter 194, The Tenacity of Red Blood. So Kashi gives birth to baby Yona, but Eel keeps mother and child secluded. He reacts very angrily to Suwan, just innocently sneaking in to visit Yona, and very obviously hates Suwan. Yoni can tell Suwan is starting to internalize what Eel's throwing down. Uh, when Yona's a toddler, Yoni happens upon her, her mother, and Lady Iguni, uh, Tejun's mom, who we met some chapters ago, and is drawn into conversation despite wanting to give Kashi space. Suwan has met Hawk at this same time, who's just wandering mm-hmm. around while visiting with Moonduck, and he basically strong arms Hawk and Yona into being his besties. It's really cute. Uh, That's really cute. Yeah. Kashi clearly senses something and grabs Hawk, bidding him to protect Yona. Yoni learns that Kashi prophesied Yona's birth, and it was a wish that Eel himself had, and that Yona is the is Hiryu, who will unite the dragons once more. Yoni can't believe that her own bloodline was protected for nothing. She begins to come down with the crimson illness. And prays that Suwan will be spared. But Eel tells her, I couldn't tell if Eel was actually here or if this is just like in her head. Um, But he says that she has no business praying when convenient now that they've burned down the gods. And (laughs) Yoni knows her only purpose now is wife and mother. And then they find out King Mm -hmm. Tunam is quickly deteriorating. Yeah. 
Hak and Yona's meeting is obviously the cutest thing on the planet. Her face is so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> She's like, I do not know what to think about you, but you were new and unfamiliar, and I don't know that I like it. Yeah, I love like, that I her, like, her, her, she gets a speech bubble, and it's just dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that she's shot his self-esteem from the get-go because he's like, yeah. I don't think she likes me. Should I leave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, never... I just, I love them. I love them. And I love baby Yona. And I love that the smaller she gets, the bigger her eyes are. <laughs> yes. They're like, they're like 75% of her face. <laughs> Most of her face. It's the cutest fucking thing. Uh God, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned it. I mean, it's it's really tragic in the context of how it fucks Suwana, but he was really beefing with like a four-year-old. <laughs> like... I know. A gregarious four-year-old who's just like complete sunshine until, you know, either next chapter or the chapter after that. Yeah. It gets weird, but um yeah, he is <laughs> to everybody just like the sunshine bouncy boy. And I do, I like that nobody in the castle gets it. And they're like, that's really fucked up of Eel to do this. (laughs) Like, all the maids think it's wild. Like, my heart kind of broke in the the panel where he's like, yeah, I wanted to see Yona. And she was so cute and fuss. And her hair was fuzzy. And he was like, I was gentle. And you just get this panel of him, like, patting her head. And he just has, like, this little soft smile. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets thrown out. And then he's like, in his own, well maybe yona didn't like it either and yoni's like no 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 no, you're fine <laughs> yeah see someone is interesting so i wonder how much of his personality especially with suwan or sorry suwan with suwan suwan with king eel is him just like leaning into the fact that Eel never liked him. Yeah. Well, and Eel- I assume it was made so much easier for him to kill Eel because yeah. Eel was rude. But like, yeah, I wonder if he was just like, yeah, you want to, you think I'm the monster? Okay. Then I will never be better. Yeah, uh, so there's sad. like this theory, this like social theory. I don't, I don't know who said it. It might also just be like a random story on Reddit that I read once, but it's basically like, um, treating people how you expect them to act. So if you expect them to act like criminals, then they're going to be criminals and they're going to be like terrible people. And if you expect them to treat you poorly, then they'll treat you poorly. But if you expect them to be like kind to you, then they will like rise to the occasion. This is not necessarily always true, but um, yeah. <laughs> There's that. So I always think of that as like, I wonder, I wonder if that's going on with Eel and Suwan, where Suwan is like, oh, you expected this of me, so I'm going to like stoop to where you assume that I am. Yeah, and I wonder it's also because it seems pretty pervasive as far as like Eel being like you aren't shit. Um, it reminds me, it's a line in a movie of all movies. I can't remember. It's the one where Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne like become foster parents to like this. <laughs> these children but uh at one point like mark Wahlberg's mom in the movie um is sort of like chastising them for how they handled the oldest girl and she says to them like you know i grew up like that girl and there are only so many times you can be told your shit before you start believing it and so it's just like like you said it's like how much of that was just him being like he's 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 even asking it as young 
as, as he is here because he's, you know, he mentions getting thrown out of Yona's room and he goes, am I offensive? And she's trying to reassure him. And then she's like, I, 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 she's writing in the diary. Like I could tell like what I was saying wasn't reaching him. Yeah. Like, ugh, you fucked this child up, Eel. I, mean, I know we can't <laughs> entirely lay the blame on his feet, but like, dude, you were a grown ass man. And he was right. a child. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. There is something to be said about how poorly he handled this yeah. because he, his beef was with, with um, Yuhan. <laughs> it was not with Suan. And I think, wasn't there the. Was there already the prophecy that Suan was going to kill him? Or, you know, whatever. Um, Suan would try and take the throne, but Possibly. Yona, I don't know, whatever fucking prophecy they had. There's a ton of prophecies. Yeah. <laughs> or was like, this how much of that like... is self-fulfilling? Because it's like, I don't know how much. Because I think, have they indicated it? I feel like they have, but I can't tell if I've just made it up. But haven't they indicated? Well, I guess they have because um kashi mentions either in this chapter or the next that basically um like certain things are fixed but she was like you know if it it had happened this way or this way either way this is going to happen but like some things Mm -hmm. i think aren't i think would imply i don't don't remember that at all uh she says something like regardless like yona's gonna do this (laughs) or, or something like whether this had happened or this had happened. So I, I I could just be making this up, but I feel like the <laughs> implication that at least not everything is set in stone necessarily. And I, so yeah. I wonder how much of these prophecies, like if you had just tried to take a better angle, like maybe she would have gotten a new vision where things were better. I mean. Maybe, or maybe it's like, oedipus and like i was thinking that too i'm like you literally engendered it because like the dude was like got a prophecy that was like your son's gonna be the death of you and it's like cool i'm gonna expose my child in the wilderness and then surprise he gets picked up raised by somebody else and then he comes back and kills you because you don't know who he doesn't know who you are like because he has no idea who you are exactly instead of just like loving raising him in a loving home and being like i will just love you as hard as i possibly can and hope that one day you look at me and you do not decide to kill me yeah 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 that also happens well uh, oh yeah, you read Circe, but it also happens with um, Odysseus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's there's like the prof, at least in the way it's laid out in Circe, is like there's this prophecy that Telegonus is going to be the death of um, Odysseus, which is why Athena tries so hard in the book to like kill Telegonus. So mm-hmm. when Telegonus is finally lit, uh, let off the island to go visit his father, Circe is like, I'm going to give you the spear with this deadly poison because she's going to, it's the only thing that can hurt her because she's a god. And of course, mm-hmm. that spear winds up because like Odysseus has been like whipped into a frenzy and made distrustful of people because of Athena. And then mm-hmm. he gets stabbed by the thing. <laughs> We're just like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I wonder if it's that sort of thing too. So yeah, Eel, you fucked up. All of that, <laughs> all of that side a sidebarring to just be like, Eel, you fu- you fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think here that the parallels between Kashi and Yoni are tragic because you know Kashi here she's like kind of talking about how, at least to her mind, Eel 
only loves or only likes her because she prophesied that she would bear him the Crimson Dragon King and I see the parallels between the two because and this goes back to what you said about Yuhan making decisions on Yoni's behalf but uh, Kashi and Yoni are each people who've been given this divine burden that others are making decisions about Mm. so Kashi's got this um ability to like see the future and whatnot and eel's the one making decisions about it uh you know keeping her secluded and everything and then yoni of course as we just saw is the one that you hunt like okay i gotta kill all these people for you and now they're both Mm -hmm. in a place where things have been going on so long and they've both been so isolated that they're both in this place of well at this point there's nothing for me to do but be the best mom and wife i can be right and so it's such a shame that they don't get because you know we were talking about yoni having nobody like she could have had kashi like they could have had each other but uh uh so yeah also love lady kashi being a hockey on a shipper (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very cute. I love that she's like, you You will be my daughter's person. And he's just like, okay, lady. <laughs> I'm five years old. Get yeah. off me. Yeah, play now? Cool. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, it's yeah. great. Because Maggie writes kids really well. Uh-huh. She writes kids in a way that doesn't irritate me. So I don't know if it's really well. Because I don't like kids. Yeah. <laughs> These are one of the few, this is one of the few things where I can read kids and I don't like want to tear my hair out or just no, sort of like but skip ahead. It does feel true to kids too, because it's like the whole reason that like Suwan wants to befriend Hawk is like he was like climbing trees like better than like Suwan could. He was like, this guy's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> true yeah and then you just like instant best friends where he's like this is my best friend I met him in the garden (laughs) I don't know his name (laughs) I do it does make me laugh that he like just shows up with another boy and I think it's Yoni who goes where did you find this boy like where is his parents (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, Uh, all the stuff with the kids is good yeah cute shit Um, a nice reprieve from just like the mental like turmoil that is happening with the adults and Um, will happen yes (laughs) which now brings us to chapter 195 final wish so Mm -hmm. to yuhan and later the nation's shock eel is chosen as junam's successor before the king passes away yoni again wonders what the point of everything is if she's not even the mother to the heir and she's also questioning if yona being the crimson dragon king is what got eel chosen as king kashi explains that yona's purpose is fixed but she'll have to i think this is what i was talking about but she'll have to earn everything and also tries to affirm that yoni was important in this life she brought happiness to people uh -hmm. wait before you get too far away from it i do think it's interesting to point out that uh yoni wonders what the point is everything is and she's like well i have this blood and all i have is just (laughs) i got this blood from here you and all i got was a terrible early death yeah um but yeah, she she explicitly wonders like what the point of it all is, and I'm pretty sure I know Mei Nian 
wonders that same exact thing yes. towards the end of this. And I think Suwon also wonders the same thing. Where they're just like, what is the point? Like, why do we have this? Why is Hiryu's bloodline continuing to survive if all it does is, like, yeah. give you a horrible disease that kills you in your 30s? Um, so I wonder if that's a thing that will matter at some point. I wonder if that'll come back. I don't, I don't know. I've never thought of this before, but you pointing it out just like made it click in my mind. So I feel like that's being planted for some reason. I think so too. And I did draw the parallel with, uh, Mainayan later. And, and this, what was the point thing? Um, even before this chapter because that's what I think Yoni ends with in the chapter before this one because when she finds out that <laughs> Yona is actually Hiryu she's like well I'm Hiryu's blood like right and now right and <laughs> yeah I would have I mean yeah I think they all assume and I definitely would have assumed that like eventually someday the bloodline would have given uh, given way to Hiryu's reincarnation. Yeah, so, so last chapter. Yeah, so last like, chapter she was like, "Okay, so I'm not giving birth to uh, Hiryu's incarnation. Well, at least I'm giving birth to the heir." And this time, it's like actually you're not getting that either. So now, she's oh, like, right, that's true. She's just really fucked. Literally, what the fuck? Ugh. So yeah. So sad. Um. But yeah, Kashi explains that Yona's purpose is fixed and she'll have to earn everything and also tries to affirm that Yoni was important in this life. She brought happiness. Yuhan gets over his disappointment at the coronation, bristling at the idea that Eel isn't being given a chance by the nation and vowing to just help his brother um, make Koka stronger. Um, Eel even visits Kashi, now bedridden, and for, oh, sorry, yeah. Il even visits Yoni, sorry, I mistyped it, now bedridden and fully in the throes of the crimson illness and apologizes for his coldness and thanks her for being kind to Kashi. But before Yoni can finally hope for a mostly happy ending, a servant tells Yuhan about Kashi and Yoni's conversation, uh, you know, the whole stuff about Yona being here you and the fact that it might have influenced Il becoming king. And the servant also reveals that Kashi is likely an escaped priestess. So Yoni and Suwan move away from the palace, basically for her to go into hospice living. Uh, mm-hmm. Yona, Yoni has found some happiness that, and Kashi is now visiting and Suwan is happy because this means that he'll see Yona. But alas, in her first trip from the castle, Kashi is killed by bandits. Damn. Um, yeah. So Suwan goes to stay at the castle to console Yona, and Yuhan voices that he grows more resentful of the of Hiryu for destroying what he loves. Uh, Yoni tries to say that her only wish is to be with her family as long as possible, but the gods don't give her this because Yuhan dies two months later. So, like, God, right? This girl can't catch a break, and then again we get more of her blaming herself because she's like, she's dead because I invited her here. Mm-hmm. Like, girl. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, exactly. She gets more of her blaming herself and Yuhan keeps doing things for her that make her sad. So yeah, she even blames Everybody's herself. Terrible. She even blames herself for Yuhan not being king because 
the whole thing is like, well, Junon was mad that he executed the priest and she thinks, well, he only did that to protect me. It's like, girl, quit making excuses for your man. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really devastating. Which is also kind of fair being in like a toxic relationship. I don't know that they're necessarily abusive. I don't see them as abusive, but they are kind of toxic. They are toxic. And yeah. part of that is making excuses to be like, oh, well, I did this. Like, I didn't have dinner ready on time. Or like, mm-hmm. I said something that made him mad. And I know that it makes him mad. So I shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. No, it's not your fault that he has bad behavior. And even if you do something to like make a loved one mad, they shouldn't they shouldn't do terrible things in response to it. Yeah. Like we uh, should think and reflect and apologize if needed, or you the two could talk about it and see what's going on. But like yeah, yeah instead she's just sort of like yeah, through a combination of his efforts and her own, she is very isolated and she blames herself and is not very communicative with her wants and needs. And he also is just not great at like anticipating them. Yeah. And, yeah, and she also doesn't know. ever tell him any of these things. Like there's a moment like when true. her, when her mom died and he's like, I want to go to your tribe right now. We're going to get to the bottom of this and why this happened. And she starts to say like, actually you. And then he looks back at her and she stops yeah yeah i mean you're right she doesn't she doesn't communicate like i said though i mean he's pretty far gone like we said i (laughs) he wouldn't have (laughs) yeah so again everybody's a little bit to blame um but it's really hard to sort of break out of that when she has just spent her entire life doing these like mental spirals on her own like she doesn't have a therapist she probably doesn't have like books to help her figure out what's going on and how to overcome it like we have we have a lot of resources that she just doesn't have to be able to understand she's now been cut off from her original support system her tribe right exactly like exactly uh, so it makes sense that she would just be like a horrible communicator Uh, (laughs) i don't blame her but also that is sort of what's happening yeah she never catches a break this poor woman uh before i make my actual like again everything sucks point uh i did want to point out that we get uh an appearance from young kishuk and young means uh minsu in these chapters um they have Mm. become a part of the yuhan yoni household uh like we were told in previous chapters because minsu was like you know my mother looked after suan's mother uh, and then Keisha, we now know, was, you know, taken in by Yuhan. Uh, mm-hmm. We do see, even as a teenager, he was always an emo bang having ass, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to say that, you know, I don't condone Eel's actions at all, but from Yuhan's, you know, fuck, hear you speech that he gives to Yoni here, it's likely that his wrath would have turned on Yona eventually had he lived. And put Yona directly in danger. Yuhan's uh, uh, wrath would have turned on Yona. Yeah, yeah. Isn't I think that's explicit. 
Like at one point, well, Yona yeah, I think out that like he was trying to kill her. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, think, yes, like, I think Yona was supposed to be in the in the carriage. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's so I agree. I think he probably would have tried to kill her many times. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I don't even necessarily blame you. I mean, I guess I said it. it I don't know that I can condone murdering your brother, and then obviously when it caused so much revenge shit to bloom. But yeah, <laughs> again, like what else was he supposed to do, knowing what we know about Yuhan? And yeah, <laughs> so just... I agree. I mean, I think this is one of the cases where Yoon or Yoon, good God, Eel was probably pretty right. Um, Maybe not the best way of going about it, but I guess, yeah, he was sort of backed into a corner because the entire country basically was behind Yuhan. <laughs> like they said it, he had the public favor mm-hmm. uh, with the priests. So I'm sure he was like, yeah, nobody's going to support me if I'm like, oh, my brother murdered my wife. Like everybody, he's a bad guy. Let's exile him. I'm pretty sure he knew that everybody would just laugh at him if he tried that. Yeah. I don't know what else he could have done. Yeah. So now we get to chapter 196, make the thieves share the pain of their victims. So Yoni is consoled by her nine-year-old son, and she's grateful for his compassion. However, she stumbles upon his meeting with Kishuk and Yuhan's guard and learns that Suwan, who again is nine, year, nine years fucking old, uh, had his dad's body exhumed. And just determined foul play over the official story, which is that Yuhan fell off a cliff. And he's just, like, reporting this really clinically. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, like, on the one hand, because he does an autopsy on his own father, which is fucked. Who fell off a cliff. Um, Like, if, I mean, we saw in anybody who's seen uh, Midsummer knows how gnarly (laughs) people look after they get fall off cliffs. Like, (laughs) You know, I saw a really funny tweet the other day. I mean, it wasn't funny, but it was like interesting funny um, that apparently the old man that jumps off the cliff in Midsummer is um, was considered probably the most beautiful boy in the world in the 70s and was the model inspiration for a lot of the like by Shonen characters from the 70s wow. and early 80s in manga. So that's <laughs> there's your connection. <laughs> everyone should watch midsummer it's fucking great um but yeah so i go back and forth a lot on this uh topic but suana being a sociopath kind of holds some water here yeah i don't know how else you could look at your dead parent that you clearly idolize like he is arguably living his life trying to emulate his father Mm -hmm. um so to be able to look at him clinically and be like yes eel did this but i don't want revenge i want to see what happens like i know he has this whole like internal compartmentalization situation going on but i don't know that at nine i would (laughs) have i would expect a nine-year-old to uh to be that in control of his own emotions if he wasn't a sociopath. Yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> Whatever. Sociopath, it's no, real. sociopath, it's fucked. <laughs> like, like <laughs> uh, so I like, God, I'm poor Yoni. Just, yeah, I guess that's true. I don't have to pa- pathologize it. It can just be messed up. 
no, but I mean, but there is a strong case. I I would agree. It's kind uh, of a strong case. Yeah, and then poor Yoni just like listening to all this after her son was yeah. just like super cute with her and everything, and she's like, I love exactly, and that turn, ugh, oh. and then and then, oh, one of my favorite parts of the series that like is so fucking creepy is when he sees Yoni hanging out outside, and he goes, "Did you hear something?" Oh my, oh god. my god! Yeah. The stuff up he's there. like do i can i still pretend to be you know mama's little boy with you or do i need to be the the young adult that i'm pretending to be with these other fucks yeah God, chilling absolutely chilling i don't um, know he is yeah he's a little chilling here yeah, but um yeah. i i will say if anybody missed my conversation with real way back in the beginning one of the project vinland people was very nice to guest on our show he is a suan fan and we talked about this portion because i was like i don't want to read him as a sociopath but it's kind of what i'm getting and real said that he reads this section as suan being overly precocious and like a genius and so his mom didn't really know what to do with him I can I can see that, but there's this emotional aspect that, like, I understand genius, but it, kids at nine are not the most emotionally level people. Like, it's really hard to level your emotions as as a I, like as an adult, but it, especially as a child. Um, so there's that. That's the other the other side of the argument has been raised. So there you go. There you go. Um, so during this conversation uh, that uh, Suwon's having with Yuhan and Kishuk, uh, Kishuk reveals that he saw what happened. Yuhan was happy to be invited by his brother to go writing. Eel asked him if he knew Kashi's identity and stabbed him in the back when he denied it. Uh, then they argued over Hiryu stuff again. Yuhan was insisting that he follow Eel, but, you know, Eel shouldn't leave the fate of the nation to the gods and then eel shoved him off the cliff so mm -hmm. the guards are ready to kill eel but suwan states that it might sow chaos in the nation and that they should bide their time find out what sort of ruler eel will be and also not let emotions sway them so suwan encounters his mother on the way out this is what we just talked about uh she's absolutely shocked by how sociopathic he comes across talking calmly about killing and not killing eel because you know she's asking him like hey he, he's just like asking her like do you want me to kill him it's like i understand you would want revenge mother but uh we should wait right uh and he states that he won't let emotion uh such as his regard for yona color his future plans because that's something she brings up like if you kill you huh like, like if you kill eel that's gonna hurt yona and yona's your mm -hmm. friend and this is where we get the birth of his um, his ability to really just like he, he basically he he likens it to like putting people in boxes, uh, mm -hmm. which comes up later as well. Um, and Suwan also mentions that his dad's final words resonate with him. Uh, you know, basically, no gods, just himself mm -hmm. to get through. Which okay, so I guess another kind reading if we're getting away from <laughs> uh yoni thinks her son is a sociopath um i wonder if her part of her terror is seeing a lot of yuhan in suan in that moment mm -hmm. where she's just like 
oh, this is a cold, ruthless person who can look at these people and not see them as like people and loved ones, but as like, I don't know, things to be done, I guess. Like, Eel is no longer his uncle, but um, the king that needs to prove himself or Suan will be his judge and executioner. Um, And I feel like that is a lot like Yuhan, which is correct because that is Suan. That's who who Suan wants to emulate and is trying to emulate. Um. So yeah, I wonder if part of that is just her being horrified of like, oh, he picked up on the traits from the wrong parent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor Yoni. Poor Yoni. Uh, speaking of poor Yoni, uh, we get more into her isolation in this chapter because one of the things as people die, she thinks to herself, like, everyone is going before me. And I think that's a really tragic thing, too, is just yeah. in addition to all the shit that's going on, the pain of being the last. Oh, yes. Especially when she knows that she's dying. So I assume she would have yes. thought she was the first. Exactly. Like, God, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it really should have been her. <laughs> but she's just watching loved one after loved one get killed yeah uh it's also devastating although as we've said yuhan really brought it on himself um but i did kind of feel for him that he probably saw this you know what winds up being his death as being one of the bonding moments he'd hoped to have in the earlier years because you know we had that thing where he's like why don't we go riding why don't we go hunting and so he's Mm -hmm. very like happy that you'll invite him out for this and he's like cool we can do cool brother things we can like talk and then Little did he know, Eel was hunting Yuhan the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, God. I, I guess it likens back to what you were saying on the last episode, the idea of finally getting what you want, but it being all wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So true. It was everything he wanted, and it was a terrible ending. Yeah. <sighs> it, man. Um, I also, their their conversation is also uh very compelling too like i liked that we get the echo of i can tell when you're lying from eel because that's what he said a few chapters ago when yuhan tried to like play off the fact that he knew of yoni's heritage and eel's like i can tell when you're lying we're brothers and so to eel have that echo here um and another like turning point moment like, it, it's just really good writing because like uh, again um like i just said it, it it's signifying another turning point and it also really just really pins down in your head that these are brothers like they mm-hmm. know each other so well and this is what it's come to like oh yeah i agree i also noted that as being very fun to be like it, it was a pretty obvious plan it's one of kusanagi's more obvious plants but i think that's only because it pays off so much quicker than most of the, the things that she seeds um mm-hmm. but yeah i do love that immediately like from the very first scene we get this like i know you you're my brother and then in the very end he's like i i know you you're my brother and this is the only way that i'm gonna be able to stop you and he throws him off a cliff holy shit man uh i also found it super ironic because one of the thing things eel says 
to Yuhan before killing him is you make judgments and force them on people who can't understand. That's a grave sin. Um, I mean, it's a very, th- a very accurate reading of Yuhan, but also is this not what Eel does to Suwon? Oh, see, I was thinking it's what he did to Yona. Because he was like, you can't marry Suwon, but I'm not going to tell you why. You can't fight and use oh. weapons, but I'm not going to tell you why. That too. Well, that's just, so I, at the very least, he's he's perpetuated the very True. thing that he's condemned his brother for. Yeah, no, I agree. And I hadn't caught that. That's really interesting. Yeah, like the fuck? Oh. Yeah, he does. He does do that to Suwon too. You're correct. Yeah. I didn't wow. mean to talk over you. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I like that you pointed out that it was Yona as well, because I hadn't caught that. But, uh, <laughs> we'll get there together. Um, also, we finally reach the true birth of Suwon's disdain of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it's not only just something that he inherited from his father, but like there, there is a justification uh, for him not that it's just something that's like my father thought this therefore i although that's certainly part of it but it literally has fucked with his life yeah oh so and yeah then- no i agree i think it's it's good that kuznagi gives this to him because it does help make him more three-dimensional which i don't know that he necessarily needs help with but um yeah it's not just him hating it because he's told to or because he wants to do everything himself because he's very egotistical and self-centered like no he has reasons yeah he has many reasons in fact and uh yeah yeah and this is good writing yeah this is where i had my note about yoni being similar to yona um i had forgotten part of it though because it's not just wanting an end to the cycle but she's also trying to champion the idea that people matter to suwon because here she's like if you kill il that's gonna hurt yona why would you hurt yona yona's your best friend and yona has made that argument to him later in the series about you know people matter like when she's you know didn't you hear about you know what your father did to the residents of Shing, like that's awful. And then Suwon's mm-hmm. like, you gotta do what you gotta do as king. Like, right. So now Yona's the one taking up that voice of being like, you need to see people as people. Right. And not as like players on a page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm thinking of the scene in the last arc where they're like talking battle strategy. Yeah. players, uh, Not yeah. players on a page, but you know, like, like a board, a board. game. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Suwon could stand to do that every now and then, but then also it's hard to do when you're leading a whole bunch of people and you know, you're going to have to go to war to strengthen borders that the last king let completely crumble. Um, yeah, I don't really blame Suwon all that much for kind of hardening his heart and being like, well, there's going to be casualties and I'm going to have to be okay with that. Can't love everybody indiscriminately. Yona does get it a little bit easy because she's not really in that leadership position at the moment. The only leadership she currently holds is over the dragons and Hawk, who can all take care of themselves and probably won't die. Possibly. Who knows? 
But uh, yeah, she's not in charge of an entire nation of people who are not overpowered god beings. Mm. So I will give him that. I will say in defense of Suwan being a little bit cold and Yona being a little too bleeding heart. Like, it makes sense from where they are. And I don't think either of them is really wrong. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Yona, we return to her finally in the next chapter, 197, Shaky Handwriting. Um, so we see her more, you know, we're coming out of the flashback a little bit. We are reminded that she's the reader of this journal and she is absolutely devastated by its ending in which Yoni realizes that her death draws near and she uses the last of her strength to write a letter to Eel, um, who she will entrust the journal's account to. She warns him that Suwan has conspirators against him, though she admits she still loves her son, who is, in her mind at least, as sincere in his kindness as his coldness, because we've had that discussion, how much of, like, happy Suwan is a mask and how much of it is real. Um, mm-hmm. To her mind, they they are both genuinely parts of him. Um, so she admits she still loves her son, uh, but nevertheless, she wants to protect Eel and Yona. She also wants the cycle of revenge and death to end and hopes that Suwan and Yona's friendship survives. Oh, girl. Oh. <laughs> I know. I mean, maybe there's still hope. <laughs> no. uh, and she also wishes Eel, you know, happiness. Uh, Yona is shocked to find that her dad wrote back to a probably already dead Yoni. Um, he was moved mm-hmm. by her words, doesn't blame her for anything that happened, and admits to his own failings. He admits that he was always jealous of Yuhan, especially when he was marrying a descendant of Hiryu. He feels terrible that Kashi never knew that he actually loved her, and he knows that he's not fit to be king, uh, but, you know, he still says, like, he, he knows his brother wasn't either, uh, so he just resolves to be essentially a placeholder until destiny arrives. He also right. resolves to never take another life and to let Suwon kill him. And he admits that he is uneasy about Suwon and Yona because Yoni admitted herself that Suwon wouldn't prioritize his daughter. So instead, he wishes for someone who wouldn't betray her. Uh, we'll talk about this panel, I'm sure. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Eel also keeps the journal, which Yoni expected him to burn because it's a reminder of those he loved and lost and wished he could have communicated with better like Yuhan. Um, so again, that theme of like, you know, nobody communicating with each other. He, he, even now he's like imagining like, just like having a conversation where his brother advises him. Uh, and of course Yona's in tears because why wouldn't you be in tears? After yeah, I'm near tears at this moment. Yeah, I'm not gonna yeah, and this is her actual family. Like, I mean, I I might be King Eel's biggest defender because he made a lot of mistakes, obviously, but like he is really sympathetic, and this part always kills me because it's like. <sighs> The things that kill me, you already mentioned, are that he never wants to take another life and that he loved Kashi, but he couldn't tell her. Ugh, I think that's so sad to let someone die and feel like they didn't know that you loved them. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Really that was my big thing when my great aunt died last year. Like I was stuck on it. I was like, did she know I loved her? Did she know I loved her? I'm saying. Why I'm so upset about it. Yeah. Uh, that's. <sighs> yeah. That's a good little bit. That's pretty affecting, especially giving it to King Eel, who is not looked in at as the most in the most favorable light through the whole thing. Like basically Yona and Hawk are the only ones who will defend him and to be able to give this to him and like really humanize him. Yeah, it's good stuff. And I loved how moved he was too, because he was like the fact that Yoni, like he, he mentioned this in the letter. He's like, you wished for my happiness after like everything that happened after how cold I was to you after all Mm -hmm. of this, like, for you to still be like, I hope you're happy and things end well. Like, uh. Yeah. Again, another good parallel between Yoni and uh, Yona. Where, like, with Suwan, he's like, I would assume that you want to kill me. Like, their very first meeting, post-coup, he says, I, I know that you want to kill me at the moment, but I still have things to do. You can't do that yet. And walks off. And now at this point, she's like actively trying to save him. Yeah. And trying to, trying to understand him and be in his life in the way that she can. Um, Yeah. Also, you just reminded me the way you phrased that. I know you want to kill me, but you can't do that yet. It for some reason reminded me of Kill Bill. The moment. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. If you still, you know, meet me in like ten years. If you still feel raw about it. (laughs) It was not my intention to kill your mother in front of you. It's my favorite scene of the entire series. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. stuff. Black Mamba. I should have been Black Mamba. Uh, I love Tarantino. One day I will watch all of his movies. I think I still have a couple outstanding ones. I've never seen Reservoir Dogs. Or Jackie Brown. I think those are the only two that I haven't seen yet. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> no worries. Um, uh, oh, I just had a quick note of like, God, what pressure on Yona for real? Because uh, <laughs> like, God, can you imagine like all the shit happening, and then at the end, you just have your dad being like, I'm "Just gonna let things happen because I know my like daughter is gonna go on to do great things, <laughs> all this shit, and fix everything." And I just be like, "Ugh." That is a lot of pressure. But he didn't tell her about it, which I think is a kindness. Yeah. I don't think he ever expected her to know that he was expecting world-changing things from her. I think he just sort of trusted Kashi's vision and was going to give her the the path to be able to do what she was going to do without being like... (laughs) I've been watching a lot of weird, like... I keep going down really weird rabbit holes on YouTube and one has been um, uh, gymnastics falls. Oh God, I can't watch (laughs) fall doing gymnastics moves. I don't know why, but there was this girl in the like seventies or eighties. I think she was uh, a Russian gymnast and they wanted her to go to the Olympics to fight for mother Russia. And um, she did a really hard move and she 
I want to say she broke her like arm or leg or something like that. And the doctors told her to stay off it. And then the coaches pressured the doctor to take the cast off, even though he and the gymnast were like, I'm not ready yet. Uh, this, this break still hasn't healed. Um, but they took it off anyway because they were trying to get her ready for the Olympics. And she went for a move in practice and broke her spine and yeah. became a quadriplegic. And her first thought was, thank God I don't have to go to the Olympics. Holy Isn't that the shit. worst thing you've ever heard? Oh, my God. It's horrific. So at least Yona didn't have, like, <laughs> at least Eel wasn't, like, uh, <laughs> an Olympic gymnast trainer. Yeah. Although, uh, he was just sort of, like, a loving dad who was yeah. going to let Although her Although I think on did. the flip side, he did handicap her in a way. I don't think he necessarily had to reveal, like, hey, you're here, you, and all this shit. But, like, <laughs> keeping her isolated and stuff in the same way that he did with, like, Kashi and everything and not yeah. really teaching her the ways of the world. Um, because I Kashi, agree. He didn't handle it perfectly. Yeah. What about the happy world where he actually raised Yona to be, you know, a capable ruler, knowing the things that she needed to know. And then who knows, maybe Suwon would have been like, oh, he's actually being a decent ruler. And mm -hmm. I don't have to kill him because he's, he's preparing Yona to take over and Yona's going to do fine. Like, but it does make sense that he has this like abhorrence for violence, especially after what yeah. happened with his brother. Like, I, I feel like he probably just didn't want to remember the blood on his hands. Yeah. A la Lady Macbeth. Mm. <laughs> just like, keep that shit away from me. Um, yeah, I agree. But also there would be no story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we knew everything already and everybody acted perfectly. I know that's not what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think he did as well as he could have, and it was bad, but so everybody else's decisions were also bad. Yes. Possibly arguably equally bad. Yeah. Also but um this shot of him being like i need somebody for my daughter he'll never betray her and we get that shot mm. of hawk uh pulling yona along by the hand and it goes perfectly yeah, you put them side by side on twitter i think you also talked about them on tumblr um with the shot of kashi um when kashi basically picked hawk for yona and then their children and the way he's pulling her by the hand so the way that mm -hmm. this, this thread has carried through, it's so amazing. I also like that it's specifically framed as someone who'll never betray her because I think of that scene that you love where Hawk is like, look, no matter how many times I'm betrayed, I'm always going to trust you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's just so much trust between the two. Yeah. And yeah, I like, I went into this a lot on Tumblr. So if you're one of the like five people that follow us on Tumblr, <laughs> you probably already saw this. Um, but uh, yeah, I like that if you put them side by side, it works incredibly well. And I'm sure Kuznagi thought this out because it works too well for it to just be like coincidence. But they, they don't happen side by side. They happen chapters apart, which I think is also like the coolest shit ever. Because <laughs> she plans far ahead. And I think that's fun. Anyway, um, 
the first meeting is like him pulling her along and she's kind of looking up at him like who is this yeah and then in the second uh when they're older it's like post coup and i feel like she's looking at him like it's the first time because she has this like hawk is just hawk and he's always been there and he's just like mean and i feel like she thinks that he would sell her out for one corn chip um but then the coup happens and he is a badass and he pulls her away and he like fights off suwan who she never thought would betray her and so she's looking at him like who is this like i if if i were to pick anybody like i wouldn't have thought that either of them would betray me but it definitely would have been suwan between yeah. suwan and hawk to betray yeah. me <laughs> um so for hawk to stay by her side is like oh well who is this yeah so i think it works on that level and then there's also like i don't know i don't know anything about art so i could be making this up but there's like in the background you see these flower petals floating like just above their heads mm -hmm. and then in the second panel she has and i thought it was the same flower petals that was like kind of floating through time mm -hmm. but if you look really closely they are her tears like floating off her face like the streaming behind her is beautiful it's such a lovely effect but yes please zoom in on the second one where eel says i wanted someone who would never betray her because they are her tears they're hard to see they're beautiful yeah they look and then they they look like if you again when you put them side by side it looks like one continuous like line the petals exactly the, the petals like turn into her tears i don't know if that's on purpose but it has to be right because it's like perfect yeah it fits perfectly i don't know but yeah it was some it was some good analysis on your part i also enjoyed uh i think jen reblogged it and her tag was like something like, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to hawk for never holding a hand normally in his life he just grabs her whole hand and drags her around because he does he doesn't like link hands yeah. with normal people he literally just like grabs onto her fingers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just like tugs her along <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that also made me laugh oh so, yeah good shit uh now we are getting back uh, into the thick of things in the present as we move into chapter 198, a member of the royal family. Minsu remains eager to learn about the Senju herb. Yoon can't reveal its location, but is willing to get some. As part of Yona's crew, however, he might not be able to leave. Minsu resolves to get Yoon permission to do so. Suwan is, Suwan is hurried away from the dragons who surmise that his health is a closely guarded secret and Yona is probably being standoffish because she knows. Yona is glad to have learned about her aunt and mother and is officially back in take no shit mode. She disregards a request to call Suwan his majesty and ignores Kishuk's request that she butt out of what's happening with Suwan. She also advises that he can't see the Kai envoy in his state and goes in his stead. The envoy immediately doesn't take her seriously, and Kishuk is internally dismissing her capabilities, but she traps the envoy into admitting culpability for the trafficking and the dye fiascos, and then cheerily calls the meeting to order. It's a good moment for her. Yeah. I do want to point out, I have, it might be a crack theory, but Jen said something about none of the people in the flashback plotting the coup with suwon and kishuk stick around later and i think that the guy who tries to get yona to swear loyalty to suwon is one of them oh. they have very similarly fluffy hair gotcha. and i have been meaning to send 
send her a screenshot to be like, do these two men look the same to you or am I making things up? So um, that's going to be my pushback against that argument because that doesn't really go anywhere. Like if if those people were all completely ousted, I feel like that would have mattered more in the story Mm. and they're just never brought up again. So I am really going to argue. So sorry, Jen. <laughs> Whenever you get to this, if you get to this, um, but I'm really going to argue that they're just hanging out somewhere because it just doesn't make sense to kill them all off yeah. and then like off screen for no reason and never mention it again. Yeah, I w- I would just assume that they all have like high level positions. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to, I will submit for her consideration those two men side by side. And I might like throw them up on Twitter and take a poll. But um, anyway, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. Uh, And also, this is a really fun section. I like that she gets to be a little sassy and that she smiles after she does it because it's very Suan. I feel like she, this entire section is like, her proving that she is just as capable as Suwon. Yes, and the envoy even thinks later when they do get to meet Suwon and he like maneuvers them to do what he wants, they think to themselves, oh, they're definitely related. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fucking funny when you remember that they start, she started the series wanting to marry him. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, And I do love (laughs) her being sassy. I think you pointed it out on Twitter, but she... The idea that both her and Hawk are have moments in this arc where they're like, I'm not going to swear a false oath. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're so in sync, even though they're separate. They have like two or three moments where I'm like, oh, that's a parallel. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. For them. Also, she tells Keyshook to be quiet and I hollered because I've been wanting <laughs> to do that this whole arc. Yeah. So next chapter, a VIP from South Kai. Uh, Yona continues to impress Kishuk and Judo as they watch her expertly outmaneuver the envoys. They try to lay claim to the dragons in their own traditions, but Yona shuts it down as legend while Kishuk has the audacity to claim their suans. Uh, Yona notices a sickly looking delegate who vomits on her. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather than being offended, she tends to him and earns his regard. He even hilarious he even hilariously asks her about his her relationship status, which causes her a brief internal crisis because she's like <laughs> literally asks, "What are we about Hawk?" Um, yeah. The guy also confides that his rulers are corrupt, and as she leaves, she converses with with Kishuk about control of the dragons, and she thinks that. To herself that he's not so creepy to her now that the journal gave insight into his personality and then the mm-hmm. next day we find out that the sickly envoy is found dead and yona is accused of poisoning him and kishuk surmises that they did it themselves to uh, they being the envoy to get rid of a critic and insight war and then the rumor spreads yeah one that guy is relatable as fuck to be like oh yona's nice to me for one second you got a boyfriend <laughs> do you want to date me I get it, dude. <laughs> Been <Okay>. there. <laughs> um, to okay, so this is where they mentioned like Shinshui? Shinsui? Sure. You know I'm not in, the pronunciation person. In, um, there it is. I can't even pronounce English words. So. I know, we're really fucked. <laughs> uh whatever, the lake in Kai where their uh their counterpart 
uh religious figures are supposed to have gotten their um their powers because they have the uh, the lore that uh, one time Kai and Coco were united and Kai's empire had four faithful servants who gained their powers from drinking from the lake similarly to the dragons drinking god blood uh therefore the they claim that kai might have claim to the dragons that coca uh, considers theirs um and i wanted to bring this up because uh one of our listeners who if i was a better host i would already have her name <laughs> uh, let me pull this up she was very nice to write in uh about how the the beginning of the anime the 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 uh, the opening sequence uh shows the dragons with their like dragony counterparts so like Zeno would have you know like a a little yellow creature behind him and then hawk has something and she said that it looked like a lion to her which i'm not going to refute because it could be anything because it happens literally like in two seconds i could not get a good like screenshot of it to send to evangelina because it is just like barely there but um allison thank you allison sorry i just pulled it up um yeah i think that it might be uh a thunder beast that's what I thought too. And I specifically, I kind of thought it as a bird. I kind of, for some reason, picture a thunder beast as like a lightning phoenix, or I guess would be Zapdos from Pokemon. Uh, right. But yeah. Right. Which was a cool thing of you to say and why I bring it up right now, um, because they have those birds on uh, the Kai flags I don't know if that's necessarily a spoiler. It's like the flags at the very beginning of the series where we get the flash forward. Mm. Um, There are birds on that. And then I, okay. Yeah, it is a spoiler, but like we learn they're from Kai. (laughs) So they have this like bird motif with Kai. Um, And the next villain that we have yet to meet, I believe has a bird tattoo on his head. Um, So I think it's interesting that you bring up birds uh, in connection with that because uh yeah maybe there's something to this lake here and maybe hawk is part of that because we don't really know his history he could be from kai i think celine actually joked about that when she was on oh She's yeah like, because he's an orphan he's just yeah no yeah maybe he was from who's he's from kai and he has some sort of connection to this lake and he is something and he's either <laughs> a lion or an actual physical thunder beast or a Zapdos. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Fun crack theory. I like it. <laughs> Fun crack theories no matter what. Uh but yes, thank you, Allison. It was really nice of you to write in. I'm so sorry. I will probably have answered you by the time this podcast comes out. Yeah. It feels so bad because it's been like three weeks. I just my brain is broken. I haven't been able to do anything recently. So um long story short i'm making excuses but uh i loved thinking about it so yeah also if you haven't watched the uh the op for the anime watch it on mute (laughs) go see what we're talking about see if you can catch a glimpse of the weird animal behind him whatever it is (laughs) right on uh before we move on i just wanted to point out that we get to see al and her get well acorn again she tries to offer it to the 
envoy that gets poisoned and murdered. Also, <laughs> we see her hanging out, uh, hanging out on Judo's shoulder. So I think she's accepted Judo. And I'm taking that to mean that Judo is, in fact, a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> eh, he's fine. I'm happy that you're happy. I wish you all the best in your delusional marriage with him in your mind. Perfect. <laughs> all right. So next chapter, 200, now or never. Hawk convenes with Jiha and Yoon to discuss the rumor about Yona, despite Jiha trying to be chill about Yona warning them away. Savvy Hawk, we talked about this earlier. He doesn't get the idiot ball here. He just correctly surmises that Yona warned them away despite wanting to see them because there's mm-hmm. some weird shit happening. He immediately connects that shit to Suwon because Suwon wasn't in the meeting with Kai. Meanwhile, Suwon wakes up and is informed of what's happened and he's eager to meet with the envoy and uses this as an opportunity to achieve his goal while still alive. Uh, Kishuk tries to think of who can succeed him after he dies and is horrified when he thinks of Yona, uh, especially when he only did the alliance with the dragons for Suwon. Uh, Yona accompanies Suwon to the next meeting and Hawk and Jiha see them because Hawk is tired of waiting and is going to see what's up. The envoy realizes Suwon and Yona are alike. We talked about this already. Uh, Yona trips as Suwon gets unsteady on his feet. She's caught by Hawk, who's disguised in his soldier uniform. She realizes who he is, but leaves when Suwon falls again, and she must support him, hoping that Hawk didn't see and get the wrong idea. However, Hawk definitely did, and he's wondering instead how Suwon got so frail. Again, like, Hawk knows what's up. He doesn't have time to be like, oh my god, does my girlfriend like this other guy? Like, Exactly. That's why I love this. Like, okay, I love miscommunication way more than most people. I will eat that shit up every day. I love that Kuznagi doesn't go there with them. She, like, he immediately knows because she literally chases after Suwon and leaves him behind and doesn't talk to him. So that's like... It would be so easy to be like, does my girlfriend love me? And no, he's like, "Mm, I think my childhood friend who I have weird feelings for (laughs) is is probably in trouble because I think I think he's a little unsteady on his feet. And that's not great. Oh, I love this. Yes. Also, this is the first time the trio has been this close since the night it all went to hell. Like, no. And there's that like classic love triangle paneling where like she's literally caught between, between the two. Oh, I love it. I will I live for this shit. Especially I I the only time that I will accept a love triangle is if it's very clear who you should be rooting for and like nobody's left out for no reason. Like Suwon does not want to be part of this. <laughs> he wants to be friends with them and he misses like being friends with them, but he there's no romance involved yeah. and so i don't feel bad yeah. <laughs> so next chapter the shadow hawk figures out suwon is ill and then he's attacked by huli and thrown in jail the bodyguard was acting on kishuk's orders kill shot kill hawk if he gets too close to suwon and hawk knows that they know that he knows suwon is sick and he also gleans that Suwon is dying. Kishuk goes to leave, ordering Huli to dispatch Hawk as Hawk merely asks that they let Yona hang out with the dragons to no answer. But surprise, bitch, uh, Minsu has taken Yona to the dungeon and she is not here for this shit. She lays out plainly that her hand, that their hands are full with Suwon's health and being on the brink of war with South Kai. And now is not the time to make an enemy out of her and the dragons by murdering Hawk. Hawk even notes that putting him on the front lines to protect Koka is a wiser decision. 
He shook concedes, but says Hawk will remain in jail for now. And alone, Yona collapses in relief that she made it in time. Hawk teases her a little and then asks her to confirm that Eel killed Yuhan. Yona does and mentally acknowledges how hard it is to explain Suwan's perspective to Hawk, since Hawk will always put his loved ones first and Suwan compartmentalizes. And then Hawk and Yona kiss through the bars. Finally, we're getting good ship content. I mean, the angst was also good ship content, but them being together content. Yeah. I do love this kiss. I know everybody loves this kiss. Yeah. But yeah, I like, I like that. She's like, I thought you were dead. I thought you were going to die. And I'm very worried about everything all the time. And I have kept everything on my own shoulders silently. Oh, that is another parallel between her and Yuhan. Or, Jesus. I know. There are too many Y names in this manga. Too many Y names. It's not you help us. Her and Yoni, where they, like, are both isolated and having to deal with all of this shit alone. Oh, um, so she's finally able to be like, okay, I can relax now because you're in front of me. And you're fine. And then he's like, yeah, okay, that's great. Here, come here. I want my, <laughs> I want my face on your face. Because uh-huh. it's a new relationship and they haven't seen each other in weeks and he now gets to kiss his dream girl. Like, yeah. oh, I love that he just like goes in for the kill without question. She's yes. like, okay, but well, we have other things to talk about. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, again, we get more of secure Hawk because he teases her before he kisses her, which has also mm-hmm. always been his thing. He loves to tease her, but he goes, I he hear you don't need a bodyguard. <laughs> and then he kisses right right oh, like, that's, so that's not what i meant also yeah. very funny in this scene the thing that made me laugh like because i've obviously seen this clipped on youtube uh, on youtube on twitter a bunch so i've like technically read this panel a bunch of times but uh <laughs> the thing that made me laugh really hard is that mean sue is in the background and he's like can i can i get in there to like help hawk not bleed out <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so funny to imagine him in the back of the room like i mean i guess i have to let this play out but come on guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god uh, so yeah now we move into a venomous guest where yona fusses over hawk's injuries and nearly inspires hawk to attempt an escape when she mentions wanting to be closer to him you brought this out last week like he gets so horny he's ready to like bust out god that was so funny <laughs> he's like you want to touch me you want to be closer to me nothing will stop me and she's like okay relax big boy <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. so Minsu ushers her out knowing that Keishuk and Huli are watching Hawk tells her again not to worry and on the way out Yona softly confronts Huli for killing her mother and surmises that he looks at her murderously because he was unable to kill her as well She asks that he not kill Hawk because she doesn't want to hate anymore. Again, trying to be that cycle breaker. I love her so much. Um, Hawk thinks of Suwan's illness. Kishuk explains to Suwan that Hawk is in the dungeon. The funeral for Rontan, which is the name of that guy that got poisoned, is held and begins to get rowdy. A beautiful woman appears, claiming to be Rontan's kin, but Yona realizes quickly she's just a shit starter when she starts to insult and manhandle her, and she stopped from slapping Yona when the dragons, who have been called by Kishuk to sub for priests at the funeral. Love that continuity there. You killed all the priests. You don't have any when they ask for some. Um, True. Yeah, so... Yeah, here are the dragons. Uh, and so, and then they also are there to provide a distraction from Suwon's health. And so they arrive and close ranks around Yona. And then the woman, May, Neon, May Nyan, 
uh, questions who owns the dragons and the renowned Thunder Beasts. The dragons, despite Yona's modesty, tell her that Yona owns them, and May Nyan accuses her of being given too much. I also like here when Yona talks to Huli, she says that he's one of so many people haunted by my uncle Yuhan's ghost. That was something you brought up as a an overarching theme with this. Yeah, I was going to bring it up at the end, but it's a good time to bring it up now. Um, being haunted by people, I th- think she's probably, I mean, she's talking about a lot of people, but specifically Suwan, obviously. And then also Kishuk is really haunted by Yuhan. And I think maybe Huli to a lesser extent, but Suwon and uh, Kishuk really want Suwon to be Yuhan, like what Yuhan never got to do. Yeah. And I think, I think that was one of Hawk's crises when he's thinking when he's thinking of a successor because he thinks of Yona and he's like, no, 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 no. We did all this for we did all this for Suwon because Suwon is Yuhan and just. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the idea of crowning Yona would be a slap in the face to Yuhan's memory. Right. Because Suwon is Yuhan. Yes. And Yuhan hate it. Yuhan and Suwon both hate the Crimson Dragon King. So why would you? That's true. Um, So yeah, I just think it's it's interesting that they're all sort of being haunted by this guy who never really got to, from their perspective, got to see his full potential. But like from our point of view and our context of having everybody's point of view um, that he should never have gotten the chance to do. Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, Jen actually brought it up. It was really funny to watch her struggle. Like we talked about it after the fact and I was like, I was laughing at you very hard because I also had the struggle of trying not to get ahead of ourselves. Uh Um, But what she was talking about in the last arc uh with suan and kishuk's relationship um is that it kind of i don't know we both sort of have this theory that kishuk is still very stringently like suan must be yuhan's heir and carry out his mission in life mm-hmm. and to suan this like this desire to be his father and grow up to like do his father's bidding uh has sort of become this albatross around his neck where he's like okay well i don't need to be exactly like my father all the time um and sometimes he sort of breaks away from that a little bit uh but he is still very much like he doesn't do it very often (laughs) i will say and uh I think it's more of a struggle in the next arc that he has uh, rather than here now. But um, yeah, I don't know how much of this I'm just like writing fan fiction in my head about, (laughs) but it does sort of feel like both of them see Suwon as this vessel and Suwon is starting to resent a little bit, possibly. That's fair. I like that. So now we get to the illusion of dispossession, uh, so May Nyan turns her attention to Suwon when he appears. She starts flirting with him. You know, everybody's trying to get her the fuck away from him. And he's his usual, like, mm-hmm. indulgent but detached self. And he and he also recognizes her as the uh, favored concubine of Chagol. 
is that how you pronounce it? Chagol? Sure. Um, the current ruler of South Kai, uh, she claims to have a spell that will make him want to get close to her and whisper something in Suwan's ear that clearly shocks him. Uh, later, uh, we find out, uh, you know, she, she she's later called to Suwan and Jiha takes Yona to, so they can eavesdrop. And we find out that what he whispered was knowing that her knowing that he has the crimson illness and it's because surprise she too has it she is also a descendant of the crimson dragon king uh her father left mm-hmm. the tribe for kai but was proud of his heritage and she was so excited to learn that suwan got the throne and she was even more excited to learn about the dragons appearing but now she's pissed that some nobody <laughs> princess has control of them and so she asked suwan to give her the dragons and the thunder beast uh, in exchange for her help in taking control of Kai, and Suwan shocks her by telling her he doesn't give a fuck about that shit, and also <laughs> he hates the Crimson Dragon King. <laughs> yeah. It's like, get the fuck out of here with your mystical bullshit. I'm going to do it all by pulling myself up on my own bootstraps, yeah. and I don't care. <laughs> yes. I love also, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was just going to say... Um, I have this pet theory that Suwan spends a lot of time in brothels just hanging out with sex workers because I feel like they know a lot of shit uh-huh. and get a lot of good information. I like that. Uh, That's and also, too. he yeah. is probably, possibly asexual, so he probably just, like, hangs out there and does not give two shits and they are very happy to let him because it must be nice (laughs) and uh so i like to imagine that is where he found out about uh may nyan and her concubine status because he knew immediately he was like ah you must be his favorite like i feel like he hangs out with sex workers (laughs) that's like that's my pet theory i'm i'm taking that that's canon i'm running that running with that um uh, we also found out, I think, earlier in the chapter when she's talking to the envoys that she was a general before she was a concubine. True, which is uh, fucking cool. Yeah, what a cool background. trajectory, girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also find like, her- Actually, I'm just going to fuck my way to the top and, like, <laughs> go for it, girl. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you. Um, I also found it interesting that here she's the resentful version of Yoni because Yoni was like, mm-hmm. You know, basically, Yoni was never resentful. She was just really sad that everything mm-hmm. was unfair and pointless. Where Mainayan is like, no, this actually makes me angry. Like, this is unfair because it shouldn't be pointless. I have this perceived birthright mm-hmm. and I'm pissed that I don't have it. True. Uh, speaking of them all as a group, I do wonder. Okay, so. Uh, my possible theory uh, that has not been confirmed yet in canon is that Suwan and Maynayan are getting hit really hard by the crimson illness or sickness. I don't remember what it's actually called. Uh, and they're both really young. So I wonder if that has something to do with the dragons all being gathered and yona the the reincarnation coming back like i wonder if the cycle is about to break so it's just like like maybe their purpose maybe like crimson like curing the illness is part of the their mission to unite like maybe that helps possibly huh i don't know 
I feel like it has something to do with yeah. it, though. Or maybe, I like, it's... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I do find it hard to believe that we'll end this manga without the illness being cured. That's <laughs> happening. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for that to just continue to ruin people's lives. Yeah. And like you said, it, it would be better for Suwon to live. Not just because we find him interesting and in your case you like really actively enjoy him and stuff but like also i always just feel like like we've talked about this it's always just kind of lazy writing when yeah you kill off the villain instead of making them like live well not that someone's like a villain per se but like when you kill off the antagonist right. instead of just like letting them have to grapple with their bad choices and grow right. <laughs> i like that you're like you like him <laughs> <laughs> true i will wear that banner with pride yes and also he needs to go live with lily in the water tribe after canon yes let us have this (laughs) um also this was where we got that bonus chapter the the coffee shop student au highly recommend that y'all read it if you haven't it's just like you know cute like if if this was just like a classic shoujo say in like the modern mm-hmm. world they're all just like college students you have barista jiha you've got confirmed asexual suan i think True. one of them says that he doesn't experience romantic feelings um mm-hmm. you get delivery man jiha or excuse me delivery man gija and also later hawk uh yona has like a big lesbian crush on karen who she describes as looking like a shoujo prince uh, so funny they spend the yeah. entire first part like hawk and jiha wondering who she has a crush on now and then it's revealed to be corinne so, yes. like, uh such a a bicon <laughs> yes you also get like student lily landlady gigan Aura tetra mm-hmm. and then most of it is like just hawk and yona being cute and flustered over their feelings for each other and then like the gang yeah. over those two years it's it's very very cute shit my favorite part of it is uh, <laughs> Ayame showing up and immediately roasting Hawk for like trying to show off via math skills. And she's like, you're so fucking dumb. You can't do any math. And he's like, shut up. Not in front of the girl I like. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's just cute teenage shit. Uh, Some cute teenage shit. Yeah. So now we get into the next chapter, one-sided affection. So May Nyan cannot believe that she and Suwon don't see eye to eye about their lineage. And I do feel for her because she did all this shit expecting to finally find somebody who like understands her and just is immediately denied. Yeah. Um, so then she tries to flee knowing that she's a political landmine and must be killed. But she And she's assaulted by Huli on Kishuk's orders. You know, for not really being around much, like, Huli's just really popping up constantly. <laughs> um, That's the point. He's been there the whole time. You just <laughs> that good. Yeah, so Jiha and Yona step in and they're told to butt out, but not before Yona stuns Suwon by mentioning that Nayan's suffering is like his mother's. Uh, May Nyan is thrown in the dungeon for now as Kishuk plans to tell the envoy she left ahead of time. Yona contemplates why she's the, you know, here to use reincarnation and why now when she's always just considered herself Yona. Um, noticing that Al has befriended little Ho, May Nyan's pet squirrel, Yona contemplates reuniting them. And May Nyan uses her wiles and battle prowess to break herself out and stumbles upon Hawk, who she dubs a weirdo in his cell. <laughs> the best. 
Yeah, so fucking good. I love everything about Mayan and Hawk's interaction from here on out. She cannot mm-hmm. fathom why he is the way he is. <laughs> I know, I love it. Yeah, um, I also like here that we get Suwon remembering Eel's You're Not the One speech. Like, again, Eel really fucked that man up. And going up, uh, going back to being mm-hmm. haunted by ghosts, I feel like Suwon is more haunted by Eel than Yona is. Because he's mm, constantly remembering Eel being like, you're not the dragon. You know, yeah. You're not the prophesied one. That's a that's a good point. She's haunted by her dad's death and the fact that he's not around anymore. And Suwon is constantly like, oh, I'm never going to be good enough. Yeah, and this man was death, constantly so. telling him he wasn't shit. Like, yeah. There's yeah. no proving it now. He's never going to prove anything to Eel. So. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. And we also get a good growth moment from Yona here because she grabs Suwon and tells him to look her in the eyes when he's, you know, trying to deal with Mainayan. Like, she's just come such a long way. Like, before she, like... Oh, yeah, is this where they yell at each other? Oh, I love this. I love when Suwon finally breaks. She gets him to look at her. And he's like, oh, what, you want me to snap at you? And then they just have this moment where they just sort of look at each other. And she's like, yeah, I wanted you to be real. (laughs) Now we can finally move forward as two people who can be real with each other. Oh, my God. It's so... Uh, it's like a tiny satisfying part, but it's it is satisfying to be able to get here. Yes. I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> I'm like losing my mind. But yes, I I love the scene where they, where he yells at her. <laughs> Cause they were never real before. They were always sunshine and happy to see each other, and that's not always necessarily mm-hmm. true with relationships. All right. And then next chapter, I know we have a few left, but, you know, as we discussed before, and also because this episode's getting really long, um, the breakup of arcs is kind of weird here. And I would almost argue that this next chapter is actually the end of the arc, because then in the next one, we get back to Chagol, and then, like, the Chagol shit really gets rolling. Okay. But. Yeah. So you want to end the next chapter? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so next we get a cry in the night. Uh, May Nyan, having taken down the four dungeon guards, tries to turn her manipulative wiles on Hawk and get him to be her <laughs> accomplice. Uh, but he's cool to just chill in his cell because despite mm-hmm. wanting to see Yona desperately by his own admission, he doesn't want her protective instinct toward him to get herself in trouble. So May Nyan goes to the garden in search of Little Ho and is upset that she has nowhere to go after she left everything to get here. Her illness incapacitates her again and someone stumbles upon her passed out. Yona and the dragons hear that Hawk is being questioned about May Nyan's escape since his cell door was unlocked. Yona already knows that he's not behind the murder or the escape and takes umbrage at the idea that something untoward happened between May Nyan and Hawk <laughs> as being Gia. And implying shit. Uh, May Nyan wakes up being tended to by Yoon, who's just been offered a place on the army medical team. She's confused by his kindness. Meanwhile, the envoy are on their way back to Kai and are met by a man, Val, who they know. And he's looking for May Nyan. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. 
New character. New character. New new uh, arc essentially coming. We're starting to move out of all just yeah. the, like the intrigue of this palace, and now like Kai is here. Dun dun dun. dun yeah, dun, dun. things are gonna move pretty quickly here. Yes. Yeah, Hawk and Nyan scene is so fucking funny. Like, it is so good. He's never met a man like him before. I like, and I do love when she shows up and he, like, in the end of the last chapter, she just goes, "Oh shit, a weirdo." <laughs> He's just like fucking doing a bunch of like pull ups. He's like, what is doing like thousands of sit ups. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yeah, and she literally unlocks his cell, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna stay here." And she's like, "No, but we could be buddies." Like they locked you up, and he's like, "No, I'm fine." Like you, you can do what you want. I do also love that she, she has fucked her way to the top. Like she has used her feminine wiles to her advantage, and she has made arguably a couple people fall in love with her, and um. She gets to Kai and nobody wants her. Oh, you mean Coca? <laughs> yeah. Right, Coca, yeah. Yeah, they're like, Juan Juan. refuses her. Judo. Judo refuses but, her. Yeah, <laughs> and the next and the next bit, like it mentions that she's like, she tried to seduce him and failed. <laughs> like, yeah, he's just not interested. Uh Hawk refuses her. Uh Yoon gets flustered and she has fun with that, but he's like not gonna touch her. So yeah. <laughs> Just, I love that she gets to Coca, and every man is just like, "Nope, I want no I part." No, like you know, she's brand really, She's like, "What is in the water here? Like, what the fuck?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Were fish. you the one who came up with the theory that Judo's been married to a man this whole time? That's why he's not interested in marrying a woman. Uh, I didn't think he was married, but I did wonder if he was gay. Mm, yeah uh, so that's that's a point in that column because when i read that he like easily easily brushed off her advances i was like you know what there's my there might be something to that <laughs> yeah a point for gente uh but god also can you imagine though how badly he would get roasted by gente if gente knew <laughs> gente would be like no babies can come from this <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh also um kind of funny kind of sad but uh one of the things may nyan tells hawk is like you know that suwan guy he's willing to kill like his own relatives and women like girl he been new <laughs> <laughs> like unfortunately hawk knows all too well <laughs> you don't say <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so that's all I had. Um, we we had a couple more chapters, but I think they do. Uh, I think they do better. Um, than the next bit, because okay. we we formally meet the goal and get into leaving the palace and all that nonsense. So right. The the reason that I ended it where I did was because that's when Hawk leaves the palace. So. Oh, so Hawk was your end. Interesting. Well, yeah, yeah that think- and, and Suwan and, and Zeno have this weird conversation and it feels very uh, definitive and set up y but no, I'm fine. Yeah, I, that was one of the here. questions I meant to ask you was uh, how you broke up the arc 
Yeah, I I broke it up because Hawk left, and so we get a new uh, section of the map. (laughs) He goes somewhere, Um, and that's basically how the rest of the ones have have gone, where we, like, start a new arc when they get to a new tribe. Interesting, yeah. And I was coming at it from a standpoint of the next chapter we get back in Kai, so we get that scenery change, and we're talking Mm -hmm. with before we head back and then yeah just the idea that okay we we've spent all this time on suan being sick Mm -hmm. and yona being trapped in the palace and now we are moving forward to okay they might be able to leave and now we've had the warning of kai being an issue and now kai is actively Mm -hmm. an issue right which makes sense yeah, so that's my thing. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> you can break these up however you want because yeah. truly none of it is set in stone. So I like your reasoning just as much as mine. So um, with that, do you have any final thoughts about this section? Is it better now that yes. you have read it as I, like a chunk, like a big overarching yes, chunk? Yes, I was going to say... Uh, Definitely so, because uh, I remember kind of the whole thing, aside from the journal being really annoying, and it was really just like the pre-journal stuff. And even so, I came around, like, I, I, I will always contend that she had more power from the get-go, like, again, the dragons being with her the most strong and having a lot of political leverage, but you mm-hmm. did make some good points of her not rocking the boat and stuff at the beginning, um, so I could see both sides, and then the angst contrived as it was was very <laughs> delicious um so yeah i hated it less it, it it definitely won't be like my favorite arc ever but i did hate it less and i am kind of appreciating it more just moving into are we, do we just have like one or two episodes next i guess what would you call the current arc um, yeah i was just gonna do one because honestly like a lot of it is action like, a lot of it's action, and I feel like a lot of it is set up that just hasn't been paid off yet. So yeah, so we can do the, a lot of like, hey, they mentioned this. I wonder if it'll be important. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I'm happy to keep summarizing, but those are gonna go so much quicker because it's like they fought and so and so battled, <laughs> like so yeah. much of it. Um, and so it had made me appreciate this arc a little more. Um, and I know we just talked about this last last chapter, but like this next arc that we're about to get into has felt like it's been going on forever. And I know logically that's because we're getting it in real time, but seeing that it has been a lot of more action and setup, it does make me appreciate um, this arc as being more character driven. Right. Which is always where I'm happier. So now it's like, I'm tired of seeing them, um, spoilers you know who cares you know we're, we're going to cover it next episode like fight the what do they call the the dromos yeah the dromos. yeah there are like whole chapters where they're just like battling dromos and there are several chapters where we're like away from hawk and yona because we're just focusing on like me nyan and stuff and right and which like, yeah i'm not may nyan or val's biggest fan so we spend I, a lot of time with them yeah i like them but not enough that I want them to be like the center of yeah. a, a chapter. And they kind of get several chapters where we're like, it's okay, it's this time now. Yeah. 
So we'll look forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I don't know. It depends on how it shakes out, but the next chapter is probably maybe my least favorite. Possibly only slightly above Calgon's section. (laughs) I really don't like Calgon. Uh, Remind me who Calgon was again. (laughs) Yeah, the one in um, Kin Province where we learn Zeno is immortal. Oh, gotcha. That's right. That really, like, short bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The weird short bit. Okay. But does that follow, does that go above or below the uh, fake battle in the Earth Tribe? Okay, well, the Fire Tribe fake oh oh the earth tribe okay no because that was real okay i i was thinking of the battle where he pretends like they have zebras which i hate but like the rest of the arc is great no i'm talking about specifically the earth tribe visit where they're having that nothing is worse nothing is worse than the mock battle (laughs) yes i saw one of your tumblr posts recently where you're like you could not pay me (laughs) after that that i don't have to I was like so ready to be done with them when we did it on the podcast. I'm sorry if I ruined your enjoyment of them, but like, oh yeah. my god, they're so yeah. boring. So I me. would say that would probably be one for you then. Yeah, and then I mean, one. okay. So the first arc is definitely one of the lowest. I would consider the next arc, Ken and arc one with the the earth tribe mock battle um and getting the band back together those are all my like bottom three a hundred percent palace is definitely somewhere in the middle like it's not it's not one of my favorites but i do not hate it i really like it and i was having such a blast like reading through it this time it is it is very bingeable and i do recommend that you should binge it (laughs) Because I know yeah. a lot of people fell off. Um, so if you're one of those people and you're like, I guess I should get back into it, I would recommend it because now we're like, we're in the clear. Like, <laughs> we're through it. It's it's definitely bingeable. It's kind of rough to get through. It is funny. I was reading it weekly. Um, I got a little bored during the diary stuff, which I know okay. you really love. But... I do have a vivid memory of being like, oh, my God, we're still in the diary. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels great to read like six in a row and just like. Yeah. And I wonder if that's shaping my thing, because I already had it as like an arc, essentially. Oh, yeah. I okay, I could see that. At least the diary was done. So that was bingeable. And I could get to the point where like I wasn't the real time fan. It's like, OK, when are Hawk and Yona going to reunite? When are Hawk and Yona going to reunite? Like. <laughs> Yeah. I got to where they reunited. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. now we're we're in the current arc where we are kind of be like, okay, let's like, like I am ready. I am so ready for the Chagol shit to be wrapped up. Like, I know. Like, I am pre. I appreciate that he's like a stronger caliber villain, and <laughs> not just like a mook, and that he's hard to dispatch and everything. But like, I'm ready for him to be done. Let's get rid of him. See, like, I think he's fun. I just want to see more. Like everyone being together to defeat yeah him. i think that would have to be separated all, yeah everyone is all over the place like i said we got multiple chapters that are like made nyan focus nyan focus and it's like okay but i care about yona what is that? <laughs> right uh which i did speaking- have like a thing where i do think it's a good idea that 
<laughs> that Lily is not involved in anything. She's not like on the front lines because I feel like <laughs> I'm going to have to cut this later. But like, <laughs> I just imagine her being in the tent <laughs> and Suwon being like, yeah, I don't know. I sent her into enemy territory. <laughs> and Lily oh. being like, you sent my girlfriend into enemy territory. What's wrong with you? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, I will say though displeasure about a lot of the next arc aside this la- the last chapter the current chapter amazing 10 out of so 10 so much fun uh, that but, ending is so much fun so I'm much mad that fun. I got it spoiled for me though because it did kind of ruin a little bit of it oh uh, yeah I didn't it was a complete surprise uh, I'll talk about you off pod about what I was expecting mm. uh, but yeah so, yeah. yeah, it just it makes me so mad because people post spoilers, and that's how I know that the chapter has been released. I'm like, I didn't even have a chance. Well, <sighs> but that's my burden to bear. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. um, other overarching thoughts about this nope. arc? That is just about everything. Yeah, same. I uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope that we convinced you to enjoy it better this time around. Um, and if you want to tell us if you still hate it or where it lands on your ranking list, um, hit us up on Tumblr or Twitter. Uh, Tumblr is the Unipodcast. Uh, also, I think I've been telling people the wrong address. So I think it's tumblr.com slash the Unipodcast. They redid their like URL naming system and I can't figure out how to fix it to the old way. But anyway, uh, Twitter's the Unipod. Uh, so it's Gmail. So uh, yeah, come say hi. And thank you again to Allison for writing in. We really appreciate it. And then we'll see you next time for an extended version of the past 10 minutes. So, bye. Bye.